0: Hello and welcome to another live Kefefefe break, Kerfefefe break on D Program. This is a new channel. If it's your first time here, please hit subscribe. Uh, what else? Like the video if you like it. If you dislike it, go ahead and hit dislike. That's okay. And uh, we have currently, just an announcement, we have a locals, which I'm still figuring out, but we're going to master it. We have a locals, we have a subscribe star, and we have a Patreon if you want to help. Financially support the show. We are going to be doing a book club in the locals. So if you've already subscribed on any of those platforms, just send me a note and we'll make sure you have an account in locals so you can be a part of the book club. And then the other announcement is April 24th, I'm going to be at the Better Discourse Conference in Fort Worth, Texas. They're doing it in Texas again. And if you want to get tickets, there's all kinds of interesting people who are going to be speaking. Uh, James Lindsay, Mike Harlow, Libby Emmons, Nikki Klein. So you can get tickets at betterdiscourseevent.com. Josh Slocum is going to be there. And I think that's it. Without further ado, please welcome my co-host today, Cameron Pasha. Hello, Cameron. How are you?
1: I'm well, I'm well. I was just commenting before how very lovely orange you are today. And that's very good energy. It's a good color. Oh, good. Second chakra, which is my favorite chakra. So I like it. Well, what does that mean? Second chakra, it's let's just say it's the creative energy within the within within the human form.
0: Oh, good. Okay. And what what is what is black? I get the feeling that's not yeah, a positive. Well, there
1: is well. I mean, I'm sure there in some like spiritual system, black is an energy. It's probably like you know, it's like, but it's not within the traditional within the traditional sort of Western cool you know cool hippie uh, chakra thing. Uh, it goes red, orange, yellow, green is the heart, blue is the throat chakra. Sort of purple is the third eye, and then indigo is like the connection. Oh. To the eye. Yeah.
0: What is your favorite color?
1: Well, my favorite color is red, but of the chakras, my favorite is the second.
0: Is orange. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. That's so interesting. I, I, you know, back when I was in social justice, I don't know if you've ever seen these pictures, but I looked at these like a year ago or so. I was looking at some of my old photos, and I wore black all the time. Mm-hmm. I don't think I even consciously did it. I just. I was attracted to it, and I was kind of muted, and even my facial expressions were muted. Mm -hmm. And the past few years, I don't know, I'm drawn to a different, like a whole array of colors, an appreciation for all different kinds of colors. So
1: anyway. Colors are real energy, and and they reflect reflect what's going on inside of us. And so I went through my all-black wearing phase in college, so I get it.
0: Yeah. (laughs) There's a time and place.
1: College is a good time. College is a very good time for that stuff, yeah. 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 I, well, thinking, I don't know what college is anymore. I mean, you know, I I remember college in in the you know ni, ni, early nineteen nineties, and I don't I don't think I can imagine what college life is like today. It's so bizarre from what I read in the news. It's just it's incomprehensible yeah. to me. I think it would
0: probably be unrecognizable. We can actually talk about that today with yeah, part because it's topic. Really
1: to our topic about generations. It does.
0: Yeah. Before we do that, just tell people again where they can find you online if they want to follow you, yeah. and we'll.
1: Yeah, so, so uh, best way to, to reach in contact with me is I have a Patreon as well, which is uh, actually pretty successful by God's grace. Uh, you know, it's uh, just Patreon slash my name, Cameron Posh. I'll throw a link into the chat. Uh, but yeah, that's uh, I'm going to actually be taking a bit of a break from YouTube in April uh, because it's going to be Ramadan. And so I've decided that part of my fasting is I'm going to, cut off YouTube which you know aside from Carrie's wonderful channel it can be a bit of a negative place and so I need a like, re- spiritual reset and so uh, so that's the best way to reach out to me and connect with me on uh, through the patreon you can not only get all my insights on Hollywood and all that stuff you know there's people on there you know that get uh, consulting if you're a writer screenwriter novelist I do consulting services through the patreon so you can all get fun stuff through me
0: that's great what a great idea to fast from just you know a social media platform. Well, it's, I will it's take a
1: black hole. Media, like I said, and I'm being honest when I say yours is one of the very few channels that I'm going to join on because we share spiritual values. Mm-hmm. And most of most of YouTube is all about how do I, you know, say crazy things to get clicks.
0: Yeah, I've been recently. Just this morning, I was talking to a friend about there's this whole cottage industry of YouTubers, mm-hmm. and it's not bound by any ideology. Although there are a lot of them who seem to be woke. Yeah, there's one ideology. Um,
1: <laughs>
0: yes. A whole cottage industry of like people who just their videos are just attacks on other people.
1: Mm-hmm. That's
0: all they do is now I'm gonna take this person down. Now I'm gonna take this person yeah, down, and take it, this it, person it all down. Rage
1: clicks, it's really ugly, you know. It's just it, I it, I've done a lot as you know, I do a lot of week I talk about Hollywood, I talk about Star Wars, things I care about, but and I've been doing that for about almost a year now. And in that year, I've watched the community devolve into something that is making me very uncomfortable. Oh yeah I can see yeah. some of that. yeah and there's now, in my opinion, uh, I'm seeing now open racism. I'm seeing all kinds of ugly things that are hidden behind well, I'm a conservative. I'm like, hey, buddy I'm a conservative i'm I'm not a bigot. I can I know the difference. <laughs> there's yeah. I know the difference you're all with the other line, right? So yeah,
0: do you think some of that is people going? I've always been worried about with social justice becoming so mainstream, the kind of woke racism becoming so mainstream that there's that reaction that's going to happen where people go too far the other extreme.
1: That's It is happening, and that's what makes me sad. Is I'm like pointing out to like you're behaving exactly the way the woke portray you, right? Mm-hmm. And then I realized that that there's, I mean, like just like in the cosmos that God created, there's there's two poles, right? There's always a duality to this cosmos, and and so one pole is the woke racist, the other pole is the anti woke racist, and then in the middle are just normal people, right? Yeah. Individually and just like normal people, but these two poles are as always. The two poles, extremes, are where the energy is. And you know, someone pointed out to me that the way things work is that. The extremes are a circle, right? They always meet, so the two poles end up being the same. Like fascism and communism are the same thing, right? Yes. <laughs> woke racism, anti woke racism, it's the same. It's the same thing, right? Yeah. And I, you know, one of the things I had a very ugly conversation on this new Ms. Marvel show that's about to come out on Disney. Um, you know, and people ask me for my opinions. You know, say it's because of Pakistani female hero, and I've been very skeptical of the show. And then I, I really liked the trailer, and it was very meaningful for me. I saw you know, first, I thought it was very entertaining trailer and uh, didn't see anything woke in it. And then when I would come onto some YouTube channels, people asked me my opinion. And when I said that, they started attacking me. And basically the point they were saying is that any elements of Pakistani culture that were shown about a Pakistani teenage heroine in this Disney show were divisive. So basically she just had to be white. And I was like, Oh,
0: what? See, that's too far. That's like, yeah, there's what? a nuanced opinion. Like we all, most of the people I talk to who are critical of wokeism in, in entertainment, for example, most of the people that I've talked about *Battlestar Galactica* with the reboot, mm-hmm. they liked some of the racial and gender changes. They did or they did at least didn't have a problem
1: with it. Yeah, well, they didn't they, feel like they, it they was well initially until they saw the new *Starbuck* was was better than the original. <laughs> it's just better character. Yeah, so,
0: yeah, yeah. But it's so cool. I think we might be getting to a place where instead of being open minded, and it makes sense to me though, makes sense to me that people are um, are becoming somewhat. Uh, prejudice ahead of time about what they're assuming is going to be a woke decision and it's making it hard to take anything.
1: And and the woke win as a result. You know, the comments I got shocked me. What they were using the exact language that the woke had used a couple of years before. The, you know, Specifically, people said, well, I'm not going to watch this Ms. Marvel show. It's not made for me. It's made for you, Pakistanis. I was like, that's exactly what Brie Larson said famously when she said, if you don't like this stuff that's not made for white males, well, this stuff isn't made for white males. It's not made for you. So don't comment right. on it. Don't watch it. Right? It's made for these minorities. And then the anti-woke were screaming, see, this is racism. Entertainment should be universal. So I'm watching this Marvel trailer, and it's a pretty universal show. It's a, it's basically a Buffy the Vampire Slayer show. From what I'm seeing in the trailer, that just happens to have a Pakistani girl whose mom doesn't want her hanging out with boys. That's real, right? Mm-hmm. And so how's she going to be a superhero when the mom is like, "No, you can't hang out with the boys and don't wear revealing clothing." That's real. I'm from Pakistani culture, right? How, if a Pakistani girl got powers, you'd have your mom hanging over you, <laughs> right? I mean, you know, I don't like hanging out with these weird superheroes and leotards. It's not, it's not halal. Right? I mean, that's what's going to happen, right? That's your real. costume. It was too revealing, it was too revealing <laughs> <laughs> your curves. That's not that's real, and it's funny, but it's real. And and people are like, Well, it's not made for me. I'm like, Well, Buffy the Vampire Slayer was made for me. This is just another kid who's isolated and you know, not and doesn't feel good about herself and has the Cordelia type character in the trailer who's like the pretty girl who makes fun of her, right? And so mm-hmm. this is Buffy the Vampire Slayer, that's universal. This is also universal, it's not universal because you're actually a racist. You don't want to see a brown girl, you know, and the people come, like, well, I don't, they didn't need to bring that. She did a Pakistani dance in part of the trailer. I was like, yeah, my sister does that dance. But my she's sister. Pakistani. Yeah, she <laughs> that dance. It's normal. I mean, so you oh, just Oh, man. So I was like, you're using the same language as the woke. So you basically, you guys are the same thing.
0: <laughs> okay. You know what I'm going to do? You're forcing me. I'm going to watch this show now. So I see if I agree with you or not. Yeah. I mean, look, we'll the, see show, yeah. the
1: trailer, the trailer is entertaining. Okay. If the shows, if the show ends up becoming some, you know virtue signaling thing which i think the comic eventually became the comic started off as a sort of that that you know fun entertaining you know teenage pakistani girl gets superpowers right and tries to still be teenage pakistani girl in a muslim religious household and so that's fun and then like some years into the process it became like well let's talk about white male oppression right and i hope they don't take it there in the show but the trailer doesn't have that so if everyone's screaming well that's what they did in the comic i'm like well i don't see it in the trailer if it starts i'll critique it but also, yeah. I look a fun. I mean, I laughed because it was like, "This is my life. This is my sister's life. This is my niece's life. On it, this is what would happen if my niece got superpowers. I mean, she would have all these restrictions that other superheroes wouldn't. Right?
0: <laughs> it's kind of funny. Hey, I'm going to put up this comment. Hi, G-Man. I'm I'm trying to. I, it's always hard for me to read all the chat and pay attention to the co co-ho- my co-host uh, Cameron. So I only see a few of these, but I saw this when G-Man said. I still don't fully understand the difference between Miss Marvel and Captain Marvel. Are they
1: supposed to be the same person? No, it's it's like it's like Green Lantern. There's a lot of Green Lanterns, right? And so it, it, this is this is someone who's inspired, in, in the show at least. Uh, it's someone who's inspired by the <clears throat> Captain Marvel character, right? But then actually gets her own powers and models herself like her costume on Captain, you know, and on Captain Marvel, but she's a separate person with separate
0: powers. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, she's I just wasn't inspired
1: by that. It's like somebody being inspired by Iron Man.
0: Um and then I think this is true. This is probably a little bit behind what's happening. Scott Miller says fans have been burned so many times that these creators have lost the benefit of any doubt.
1: And the so problem people is when, are, when there's no doubt when like there's nothing woke in the thing you're like well ah, then that's something else, right? Yeah. I mean, you know it's like when you you know people didn't some people freaked out that the Batman, which I really liked as a movie, had like one woke line in it where Catwoman says a stupid line which she's like I oh,
0: heard man. about that line. It was <laughs> one
1: line out of a Four hour movie still, still, <laughs> I got it. It was a stupid line, and the and the script was written in like 2018 when this was the norm. And it's just like, just go with it, man. The rest of the movie ain't that. And, but okay, but here, this is like, this is just a proximity girl dancing and getting superpowers and then being yelled at by her mom. She's not saying anything about
0: white privilege, well, is where, she?
1: Where's the doubt? I don't get where the doubt is, right? <laughs> I'm gonna see have to it, watch
0: both, then I'll, I'll tell you what I think. Hey, one I'm more. Not, before we get into this topic, just one more, because I want to brag on, on someone. I still sample says, I love the Betty Boop intros. Hi, Carrie. Thank you. I'm glad somebody likes it. That's a an old Betty Boop cartoon, which a lot of the Betty Boop cartoons are in the public domain now. And it's the one where Bimbo gets sucked into a cult. And, <laughs> and the music, though, I have to brag on my husband. He made the music, yeah. and I love it. And if you like that little clip of a song, he's going to turn it into a full song and then we'll put it out. I think at the end, I told him, I don't know what he's gonna do, if there's gonna be lyrics or anything, but I was like, what if he had no lyrics? And then at the end, like the song Tequila, you just say deprogrammed and that's it.
1: (laughs) That's good, I like that.
0: Yeah, we'll see. Anyway, (laughs) so I love, I always love talking to you Cameron and I was excited you could come back. And one of my friends was recently talking to me about Gen X and how this might make a good topic for a show and i was like of course i should do this with cameron because you have a lot to say about gen x i'm gen x right you are gen x so
1: uh let's pull up cole if you could pull I up, more, i think you're more more millennial adjacent
0: you know what i was born so i'm gonna age myself i was born in 78 so i'm technically gen x but i'm on you that line yeah. and I somewhat, I got, I was sort of millennial for a long, in some ways, because um, I was woke and these other yeah, things,
1: well, you, but you bought into the story, yeah.
0: I bought into the story, but I no longer do that. And actually I heard someone say that if you're on the line between a generation, two generations, that you know, which generation you are just by a gut reaction. And if anybody asks me, it's like, what generation are you? I'm like, Gen X, duh. Like, that's who I am. And that's the culturally, that's my reference point as well. I don't even know a lot of the the movies that came after the 90s. I just kind of stopped paying attention or singing groups and things like that. So um, but I do want to talk about there seems to be in the media, there have been several articles recently about how Gen X mm-hmm. is particularly suited to address some of the cultural problems that we see around us. And what do you think about that? We can bring up one of these articles or you can just get well, into it let, if you let's
1: want. Let's bring up where the Generation X was coined, that wonderful book I had to do for the book club, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, The Fourth Turning, that's where the term was coined, right? Oh, and really? Generation X was, torn, term, was coined in that book, right? I think the millennials might have been coined in that book as well because he was predicting what was coming, right? And so, so yeah, so... That book's thesis, as we talk, you know, for those who haven't read the the wonderful book, the Fourth Turning, uh, which was written about thirty years ago and ended up predicting pretty much everything that happened today, right? Uh, you know, it, it talks about the idea that there's uh, in history and specifically in American history, there's a four generation cycle of which culture changes, uh, and during the end of the fourth the fourth generation, there's always what he calls a Fourth Turning, where there's a crisis where where the whole civilization goes through major change or faces collapse and rebuild itself, right? And the first, you know, the example that's Revolutionary Wars, the end of the the fourth turning of the colonists, right? Yeah. Uh, the Civil War is the end of the fourth turning of the first generation of Americans. Uh, World War II is a, is a fourth turning after that. And then finally he predicted 30 years ago that we were going to be major crises. Predicted a yes. Trump-like figure would arise. He would predicted all these other stuff, right? And for this generation. And in that conversation, he coined, for this immediate stuff, he coined the boomers were, were essentially, you know, in, in the cycle, in this four-generation cycle after World War II, the boomers were the first generation. They are born right after World War II. They're the baby boom, right? Uh, and then the second generation would be Generation X, is that's what he coined it. And what's interesting is he pointed out in his essentially i'm gonna i'm gonna give my interpretation slash synopsis of the book that there's these four generations and generation one and three are the narcissist generation and generation <laughs> two and four are the slacker generation
0: <laughs> <it> is, right. <laughs> and just so people know what's one and three
1: and what's two and four so one generation one is uh, is the boomers the narcissist generation right you know who are like I'm going to live till 110 if I have to kill little children if I have to do it right and, that, that, and make sure little you know that's what that's that's what a shock that's how that's how they started that's how they're ending right I'm never gonna die right that's you know the whole world must end to make sure that I don't get threatened by a virus I mean that's that's the uh, that's the narcissist generation you know they they had to go out with the bang that they came in right Uh, it's all about me 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 right the Mm -hmm. only reason i care about the vietnam war is i don't want to get sent over there otherwise i couldn't give a crap about these these asian people right (laughs) i I mean let's just be serious yeah hey by the way no draft nobody approaches nothing (laughs)
0: anybody who's in the chat who's happens to be new to this channel we are speaking in generalities. That shouldn't need to be said, no, but we're, we're living in a time, we're you know. But there's, but there's, but there's always that person, Cameron, who's like, "Well, I'm a boomer and I'm not like that." And it's like, well, it's like, oh, it's like the person the
1: chat. Well, I didn't like Miss Marvel, but I'm not a racist. You know, I mean, <laughs> the really clothing really irritated me, but I'm not a racist. There's always that guy, and then you look deeper into it, they fit into the generalization. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever someone protests, I says I'm not like that. If you're not like that, you don't you know you're not you don't need to say it. If you're not, if you are. It's because I hit a nerve. <laughs> That's why. If you say it, it's because I hit a nerve. Yes. <laughs> you know, people say to me, "Well, all, everyone in Hollywood is, you know, this woke." You know, atheist. I was like, it doesn't doesn't make me react because I'm well, I'm not that. I know that. So let's keep the conversation going. I'm yeah. <laughs> oh, not that. <laughs> You're exactly right. It's what a, is it? it's, hit, that, it's that scene in the Life of Brian. Remember the movie The Life of Brian, right? Yes. I've never seen one. And so there's that great scene where he's like, you know, everyone in the crowd outside thinks he's a messiah. And Brian, is, and they're all, you know, he's, he's like, you know, he's like, they're all like screaming the messiah, and he's like, listen to me, you don't have to follow me. You're all individuals. And they all scream, we are all individuals. <laughs> right? and one guy is one guy. The crowd goes, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's just that's what it's that's what it's about. Let's get serious here. I
0: have to rewatch that. You're making My me God. think of this southern phrase. It's like, what is it? A hit dog hollers. The hit My dog. Have You ever what heard what's that?
1: that no, I. What does that mean? What does that
0: mean? It means a hit dog. Hollers. Oh, hit dog holler.
1: <laughs> like when, when you got hit by the car or whatever. Yeah. So like, if
0: you're hollering, like you're not talking about me. It's like. Sorry about you. I, <laughs> I think it hit you. Yeah. I think it hit you.
1: Yeah. It does, so whatever. So yeah, yeah. generality, blah blah. We're talking about generalities. That, that book talks about generalities. But guess what? Human beings are that we are not individuals. Crowd. That's what we are. Right? <laughs> kind of silly, but that's what we are. So the generalization is that the first generation is a narcissistic generation. Okay. That takes up all the resources and all the attention and doesn't care about anybody else. And then they're the parent generation of the next generation, which is the X generation, which is because they've got these narcissistic previous generation that doesn't care about them. They're completely isolated because they're not even allowed to participate in the conversations all about the boomers, boomer, boomer, blah, 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 blah. And so they they check out. To their they check out and they become the breakfast club. They're just like, well, screw you, right? You know, the Breakfast Club is a movie because the teacher is is the boomer who's sitting there lecturing them, blah blah. blah feel good about himself, and they're all off doing their own thing, right? And so that and it's like the latchkey generation. Right. You Remember stay home kids? and I was a latchkey kid. You know, yes. like you know, my, my mom and dad are out working. I'm I come home from school. We we're making ourselves dinner until they get home. You go to jail now if you left your you left your ten year old kid home alone until five o'clock in the afternoon. You oh, go yeah. to jail.
0: <laughs> yeah, they left us alone. We played on metal slides at yeah, McDonald's. Sixty
1: four, whatever. Yeah. Uh,
0: so Gen X is just to reiterate this is sort of they're not the narcissistic generation. They're the slacker generation that came after. So in this book, which was an excellent book and I do recommend it for anyone who hasn't read it, it's called The Fourth Turning. Um, it talks about how even if you don't believe that like the thesis of the book is that you can look at time as something cyclical and not just linear, but even if you
1: don't believe that, doesn't it? Didn't Solomon say that, you know, right.
0: (laughs) Right. But even if you don't believe that it makes the case that generationally, you're going to see responses to the previous generation based because everything is, you know, action and response, action and reaction, just like you'll see in an individual family, the way that a kid might react and become different than their parents, you know. So, so Gen X was sort of reacting to the Boomers, and it was this sort of slacker, leave us alone mm-hmm. um, generation. And then came the Millennials, and and how the they just so again,
1: Generation one and three other narcissist generations. So then the the Millennials come, and now and now what it is is now you've got the next generation, which is now being doted upon by their you know the first generation, which is these are their grandkids now they're going to spoil them and they're going to you know the the same kids that they ignored who are now giving birth to these children right mm-hmm. uh, are 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 the kids that the, that the narcissistic grandparents are now like you can't hurt you can't hurt my little baby you can't tell them this you can't tell them that right he wants to be a girl today he can be a girl today and so and that and that's the process right you know i'm going to give something because we are we, open about spirituality here on the show so i'm going to give a story from my tra- religious tradition so there's a story about uh, islam's prophet muhammad where he you know he has these grandchildren are very famous, uh, Hassan and Hussein, through which his lineage continues. None of his sons survived. His daughter, uh, Fatima, is through which his lineage continues. I'm actually a descendant of Fatima through his grandson, Hussein. So that's my ancestry. But so he had these two grandsons, and he loved them very much. And, you know, they would say that when he would be praying, they would all climb on his shoulders, and he he wouldn't, like, move them aside. He would would do all the movements of prayer while he kept them on his shoulders, right? And so there's a story, and this gives the example, the story of, once the, the two children, the grandchildren, were being naughty, and their father, you know, Ali, who's Fatma's husband, their father tries to discipline them. And the Prophet Muhammad goes, These are my children. Leave them alone. Don't, any grandparent, like, don't, don't hurt my little children, right? Don't yell at them. They're, and so, Ali, being a father, goes, Prophet of God told me I can't discipline my kids. I'm never going to discipline my kids again. And then in the Islamic story, the angel Gabriel appears to the Prophet and goes, That's not right. He has a right to discipline his children or they're going to become naughty. You have to stay out of it. You're the grandparent. It's not your child. And you have to let the father discipline the children. So that's a story coming out of the Islamic tradition that represents this type right? You know, of the, the prophet himself has to be lectured. Don't interfere in a parent's because a grandchild, a grandparent will never let the, the grandchild represents the success, the successful, it's not the child, it's the grandchild that represents the successful reproduction, because now you've got two generations. Now it's going to, the gene's going to spread, right? And wow. so there's an instinct for grandparents to really preserve that grandchild, right? Yeah. Whereas they're going to be hard on their own kids, right? That's just That's human so interesting. That's an archetypal story that gives in this, this, the thing that happened and the boomers start over-nurturing their grandkids who becomes the millennials. Mm-hmm. So the next narcissistic generation. And the millennials are so self-absorbed. So when the next generation comes around, it's these poor generation Z kids who are zoning out just like X. X and Z love each other. We get it. We're like, <laughs> What's going on here? Who are these crazy people? <laughs> <laughs> I like this
0: simplification. It makes sense. I think it's why it's being memed in the way that it is. And, and it's true. Can, Our heart it's knows It's true. true. We can actually pull up some of these memes. Um, actually, yeah, Cole, let's start with the memes. Then we can yeah. go back to the articles. Let's start with something fun, though. I want to look at some of the memes. Before that, I'm just going to put this up quickly. We got our first super chat today. We do have super chats now, FYI. Gman says,
1: "Let's see, let's see hear this, is,
0: yeah." Gman says, "I wish I was a latchkey kid. I got locked out of the house and <laughs> had to wait for my mom to get
1: home." You're you're an extra to latchkey kid, right? Because could you yeah. imagine someone is like getting locked out of their house today? You'd have you'd have the police and the fire department there, right? Like, you know, 10-year-old yes. kid being locked out of their home. The whole world would oh. end. like, all the neighbors would have, like, a gathering and a candlelight vigil, right? So, CPS would be called. Yeah. Yeah, the parent would be dragged away to court and whatever. And it's like, you didn't give your kid. So whatever. Uh, good. Here we go.
0: Okay. Now, I'm going to try and narrate some of these for the people who are just listening. <laughs> so it's a, it's exactly the movie you talked about. It's Breakfast Club. It's a picture from the Breakfast Club. And the meme says, just remember, for every boomer that hates a millennial, there's a generation in between that hates you both. That's the book. That's the
1: book. <laughs> yes. That's the book, right? You know, and, yes. and the book said the book said that the crisis of the four turning, when the civilization faces potential collapse, is created by the first and the third generation in conflict. It's created by the boomers and the millennials in conflict. And then the second generation, X, he predicted this. He said generation X will have to actually solve the problem even though it doesn't want to mm-hmm. it doesn't want the responsibility of it but, but it's going to have to the narcissist generations fighting each other which is exactly what we're watching he said this 30 years ago here's another one it's, it's,
0: perfect good. Us. <laughs> it's good at the top you've got two screaming ladies one is from that meme of the woman screaming with the cat eating dinner yeah. I don't know what that meme is, but I've seen it a lot. Anyway, she's screaming. And then you've got uh Xena Warrior Princess screaming and it says boomers and millennials. And then at the bottom you've got it looks the like, like
1: pouring wine into this like little kids, you know, yeah. <laughs> pumpkin for Thanksgiving, right? There's a yeah. Bottom, yeah. So
0: Gen X and Gen Z. Yeah. And it's it's Karen from Will and Grace pouring wine in this little kid's. Jack yeah, or we Leonard, both,
1: we, we both get it. We're like, look, these are the two clowns. They're the ones that dominate the media. They're the ones that dominate the national discourse, the global discourse. They're the ones that are locking us all down and forcing us to whip crap on our faces because they're afraid of, of life even more than they're afraid of death, right? And so the re- we're just going to have to get through this crap. Yeah. To us it's, like, it's, to us, it's like what we're going through right now is just because you, you sent me that message about the, that article about the Cold War, maybe we'll get to it, now, like, there's another Cold War. I was like, oh, we went through this crap already. We went through this yeah. Cold War, you know. Listening to this stuff in school, watching the day after. Remember the day after when we were kids? Yes, yes. <laughs> Okay,
0: watch- so, so yeah, I sent I sent this article to Cameron. Let's pull that one up now, Cole, if you don't mind. Yeah. Let's pull up the one about the Cold War. I think that's the uh, the Guardian one. And so, yeah, here we go. The Cold War terrors are back, baby. And generation X finally has something to offer the
1: young. Okay. So just have a drink. It's just beyond your control. There's nothing to do about it.
0: That's amazing. Well, yeah. When I sent it to you, Cameron, you said, here's the advice I would offer Gen X. What did you say?
1: What was my text? I don't remember what I said. I, 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 I think I said to them, basically, just become like the Breakfast Club, just zone out. I mean, this is, you can't get to solve this thing, right? You know, and, you know, because that's what we went through is that this is drama created by the two narcissistic generations. The world is ending. We might die. Our precious selves might die. are like, whatever,
0: well, fine. Here's what you said My advice to the young on how to survive the Cold War 2.0 do what we did, wear jean jackets and make some great music. Yeah,
1: that's it. <laughs> All right, the world's ending. Let's get some cool styles here. Let's get some great music because there's nothing we can do about that. And guess what the world did then? It's just two narcissistic generations making drama. <laughs> That's what it is. You could have
0: written this article in one sentence.
1: That's what I, she, I always bring everything down to one sentence, you know.
0: She writes a lot. Well, I'm gonna scroll down to the bottom. So she says uh, she talks about the age of, of Gen X, and then okay. Generation X teens coming of age in the 1980s also did so in the shadow of a a prophesized nuclear winter. Scientists realized the destruction of atomic war would pump so much soot into the atmosphere that descending cold darkness would cause global crop failure and famine. Blah, 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 yeah. All this was learned at the height of a Cold War in which Chernobyl was melting down and the then-Soviet states in the West had literally thousands of warheads pointed at one another. We were just kids and generationally powerless to do anything about it. They didn't call Gen X the bleak generation for nothing. The fear of annihilation saturates the cultural products consumed by Gen X as young people. We were given children's books about nuclear horror Z for Zechariah, Sadako, and
1: the thousand paper cranes. Yeah, we had the- the, we had that uh, that movie that maybe people don't know the the uh, you know the day after, which was like which was on like prime time at like eight o'clock, and then you, I had to talk about it in my like sixth grade class. We had to write an essay about it, right? So we all have to watch this thing, which is all about what happens after there's a nuclear war and the survivors. And you're like. Yeah. You're- 12 years old, you're like, oh whatever. I gotta I gotta write an essay about this. Oh, and it's really horrible and whatever, and everyone is starving and dying. Oh, it's, it's a horrible flash of light and it's disintegrated. And you're just like you just get desensitized to this you're crap.
0: Desensitized. <laughs> yes. Everything was like, you're gonna die. Also here play on this metal slide at McDonald's. I still can't get over
1: that because everything's plastic now. <laughs> he, this this generation, what is the what is the anthem of generation X? It's Prince's 1999. The world's going to mm-hmm. end. So we might as well listen to my body now, right? <laughs> that's, yes. the, that's the song. 1999. Because that's where all we are. The world's going to end, right? So I, I'm going to listen. If the world's going to end, i listen to my body tonight. Yeah, let's do it.
0: <laughs> okay, listen to this, Cameron. There's a few more here. She mentions the graphic novel When the Wind Blows. Mm-hmm. Uh, she talks about with music. She says, those seeking empathy for reawakened terror today may wish to revisit tunes like Frankie Goes to Hollywood's Two Tribes, OMD's Droll Enola Bay, gay. I don't know that song. Billy Bragg's Help Save the Youth of America. Nina's Hit 99 Luff Balloons.
1: Oh, that was a great song! If you guys and it, the thing is the funny thing is it's a great song in German and it's an even better song in English. It was sung in German, right? But it's more poetic in English. That's <laughs> like a great song, better, right? But those who don't know that song, go play it on. It's basically this song about you know, and it was inspired the, the singer I think had been at the Berlin Wall. Remember the Berlin Wall, right? You know, there was a Berlin Wall. Remember those days? I missed the Berlin Wall. Right? The Berlin Wall, and she saw like a some little kid had a little floaty balloon, red balloon, and she let go, and the balloon floated it over the berlin wall to the other side to the communist side of berlin and an image came to mind it's like what if that balloon were to trigger like a nuclear a, 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 war yeah what if it would trigger like a, an invasion alert and that's what happens is in the songs about somebody letting go 99 red balloons and the computer rec- thinks that they're invading missiles and sets off a nuclear war and it was a great song great <laughs> it's song. a great beat <laughs> and and at the point of the song is the end is she just stand there alone, surviving in the in this in this wasteland that was a city, right? And being wistful about it. That's Generation X. We couldn't stop it. Nothing we do about it. it was yeah. gonna build it from what we got now.
0: Teratise says just- I liked it best in German. I like both, but you're right. It's very classically Gen X because she's singing about. I mean, it may as well be you know, ninety nine red balloons. We're all gonna die, and it's okay because I can't sing the song and da da da. And you're just like it's, it's okay <laughs>
1: That's why the 80s had the best music because of this garbage. That's why I've been saying for some time the 20s is going to be – it's going to be the roaring 20s again. These kids, these little kids who have to wear masks for the last three years in high school are going to make the best music about like how white socks and you just got to make the best out of it. And my stupid parents were making me wear a mask while they're running around. Like yesterday I was stupid. I'm watching – it really drove me crazy. I'm walking down the street. These, these, these two overweight – you know, women with their kids, their little five-year-old kids. These are overweight women who are not wearing their, their masks. They're clearly, I mean, should, I mean, they're clearly baking themselves like in, in a risk category, but they got to make their five-year-old kids wear masks. Uh, you know, it just made me really angry. And yeah. that's what these kids are. And they're going to, they intuitively know there's something wrong and it's unjust. They're seeing a world you... that's unjust and they're going to grow up and respond to that. I hope
0: you're right. I think you might be, that there's going to be this, and and certainly the book, The Four Turning, talks about this, that there's going to be this artistic renaissance, this this new um artistic and intellectual enlightenment where people come back to free
1: expression and come back to this place of of just more freedom. Yeah, because they—that's why you're seeing. Like, I was so delighted to see in the last few months, it was teenage kids in high schools that started doing walkouts in California when about this mask stuff. When they realized when, and they would put up pictures of Newsom partying and you know, with the, without his mask and in the in, the, in the, mm-hmm. the you know thing, and these different mayors having all these cool things without their mask, but they're forcing these fifteen-year-old kids to wear. And the kids organized walkouts. I haven't seen walkouts since like the sixties, right? But these kids, but they're not just doing it because it's I'm teenager and rebelling, which is part of it. They're doing it because they know it's wrong. They know it's wrong. Why are you making us do this thing? You're obviously a bunch of clowns who are making up rules for yourselves and for us. It's wrong. And yeah. that, that's the fire of the next generation. Look at this.
0: Uh, people in the chat are giving some suggestions. John Small says war games. Remember that movie?
1: Oh, yeah. And and how does war games end? How does war games end? Because it's all about the terror of the world, Andy. And how does it end? They It ends by basically just telling the computer, well, game it out. What happens if, if you actually play this game? Everyone dies and there's there's no way to win. And yeah. the computer starts off. That's it. There's nothing they had needed to do. They didn't need to do anything. Because yeah. it would solve itself. And that's why- right. Kay
0: says, we didn't start the fire was the ballad of
1: my generation. All right. Yes. That's Billy Joel. And exactly. He's listing all these things, right? And he's like, we didn't start the fire. There's nothing we could do about this. We're just yeah. going to live. You know?
0: Okay. I'm going to return to this article just for a second. Mm-hmm. Um, so she's talking about how Gen X- all of our art kind of referenced this, um, Mm -hmm. what's the word that you use? We had become desensitized to it, to this sort of threat of nuclear annihilation. The world is
1: always ending. You you eventually stop caring.
0: Right. And this cynicism. And so then she ends it with, this is the only part I don't agree. This is where it gets ridiculous. Okay. Okay. She says, she mentions that movie um, the day after
1: that we all watched. Right. Yes.
0: And she says that Reagan himself reportedly credited the day after as inspiring him to sign the Intermediate-Range Nuclear Forces
1: Treaty with Gorbachev in 1987. That was the PR thing the White House did put out. I'm sure it had nothing to do with reality, but that was, I remember, press release the White House put out because they wanted to be cool with Hollywood at the time. Right.
0: So then she says this movie was a masterpiece and, quote, an unforgettable lesson in true horror. And she says that Putin Putin needs to watch it.
1: I would say that. I would suggest Americans need to watch it. Putin knows exactly I'm- what he's doing. <laughs> you know, Americans don't know what they're doing. They're like, you know, I've seen all these people on Twitter, it's like, let's shoot down Russian jets. Yeah, I was like, that's going to end well. Yeah. It's-. You see congressmen saying crap like that, right? Like this rat singer guy, whatever his name is, right? You know, rat singer, I think that was a pope, whatever. The ring singer, whatever this guy's name is, Congressman's like, we got to shoot down Russian jets. I was like, dude, you're a congressman? Yeah, crazy. Even saw that in 1982. That's crazy. Shoot out Russian jets means you're gonna have a nuclear bomb dropped on New York City, right? One Russian jet shot down by an American jet is the end of the world. Yeah. Right? So, but we're having people say this, so maybe you should all watch the day after again because that's kind of the movie. Literally, the movie. It's actually very interesting because in the movie, the, if remember, the, it was the event that causes it is that there's rioting, you know, in Berlin and Berlin's getting out of control and the Russians move across the Berlin Wall. They send troops over the Berlin Wall to quell it, right? And that's what causes quick seconds after, Americans, you're going to cross the Berlin Wall. We're going to fire nukes. They fire nukes. The Russians fire nukes. And it's over, right? Mm. And so, but that's the event. It's like, you know, it's like people forget, like, okay, if if the Russians encroach on territory, there's got to be a better way to handle it than direct confrontation because it ends like this, right?
0: You know, you make a good point. I haven't seen that since I was a kid. I should rewatch it. And like you, I was, I kind of scoffed at her saying Putin should watch it as if he doesn't Oh, he's, like he's he said, fully
1: aware. He's he's like, this guy, You look, I, I have an ex-girlfriend, former girlfriend in Ukraine. I called her the night that this started on the 22nd, and she was scared out of her mind because I could hear the stuff in the background. Like I called her on FaceTime, and she was on her way. She ran to her mom's place, and then I didn't hear from her for 10 days. I didn't know what was going on, and then I got a call from her. She was in Romania. She crossed the border with her sister and her little niece. By foot into Romania, and I have friends in Romania. And I was like, She's like, No, I've got some people that are taking care of me. And you know, but she's a refugee now. So, my people are like, Oh, yeah, I'm like, Oh, I have someone I care about deeply in that situation, right? At the same time, now I know what's happening there politically, and I know what started this. It's not her fault that her life is being turned upside down, but it is the politician's fault that this got to this place, yeah. Well, what I was going to say at the just quickly. I'm sorry. I lost my train of thought for a second. No, I'm, I'm oh,
0: sorry. oh, oh, no, you're fine. I just, uh, the idea that Putin, <laughs> that Putin just doesn't know the repercussions of nuclear war. And if like, if we just showed this to him, like, it makes me think of that. Did you see that, uh, that video from that actress, Cameron, who was like, she did this poem. And oh she yeah. Read it.
1: Like, if I were your mommy, I would have nurtured you. I don't you, And you wouldn't be like this. I'm like, it's just yeah. so cringe. His mommy would be like, "His mommy would be like." In real life, his mommy's like, "Look at our geopolitical situation, y- young Vladimir. You know, we have no natural defenses in this area, and we have been invaded throughout history from the Mongols and from this and from that. So if the if Ukraine it becomes, uh, it belongs to an adversary, they have a direct heart right to Moscow. That's what his mother would have taught him because she would have understood <laughs> geopolitics. <laughs>
0: <You're>
1: funny. <laughs> okay." Is- Okay, let's move
0: on. I want to show one more. We're going to, Cole, can you pull up the article called five Gen X values from the nineties that can save today's world? And then we're going to read through some of these values and see if we agree. And then we're going to add a few of our own. So this is on Upworthy. And if you scroll down at the bottom, you have to click keep reading. And then you go into some of these. Now, this is kind of interesting. They say, according to a generational differences document circulated through the business community, Gen Mm -hmm. X's core values are skepticism, fun, and informality.
1: Correct. All those are correct.
0: All correct. They're described as self-reliant, independent, unimpressed with authority, and,
1: and motivated by freedom correct all of those are actually accurate and the the you know but this is what's fascinating we're watching this phenomenon that the four attorneys talking about the media without even realizing it they are now seeing what's coming which is our generation which had these values will automatically impart those values to the z generation right which needs them right now because they're trapped in a world created by their predecessors the millennials which is a ridiculous world Mm -hmm. the only way out of it is to just not participate in it
0: well this suggests that we we try and impart these also, uh, not just implicitly, is that the word, but explicitly. Like, we just tell Gen Z this is what we need to do. Well,
1: and the, I, yeah. do that, I do that with, like, my my friend's kids who are, like, you know, who are going through this crap, and I'm you know, I'm just basically telling them, you know, don't listen to your dumb teacher who's, like, telling you you're going to die of this virus, you know, start living. I say that to these, like, eight, nine-year-old kids who are, like, you know, with their parents, are obviously comfortable with me saying that to them, but, you know, I'm like, I'm the cool uncle, the cool uncle who can tell them the truth, right? Which is that don't participate in this clown show. Right, yeah. your teacher is telling you your your teacher, and it's really funny because I remember my teacher, Mrs. Hoyes. I, I love Mrs. Hoyes, but she was the ultimate example of, of um of a, a boomer. Like she was my third grade teacher, and I loved her. When I graduated college, I called her, I found her, and I called her and said thank you. You know, I got I just graduated college. You inspired me, blah blah. But she was the ultimate boomer. She would this was like 1981, and she would be sitting there still wearing her peace symbol from the hippie days, right? Ah, singing like hippie songs on her guitar in our third grade class. like, I mean, I mean, she was imparting her craft to us, right? She's character. Yeah, Okay. she's completely unself-aware because she's a boomer.
0: Yeah. Okay, I'm going to read part of this too. So in the young Gen Xer, the culture yeah. of the era instilled a wariness and skepticism and a kind of figure-it-out-for-yourself mindset. Um, it, da, 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 da. And with that came a sense that you don't have to shine a light on yourself you're not the center of the universe. See, but the anti-narcissist generation. Right. But things have changed since the 90s when Gen X was coming of age. We live in an American culture that is fractured by political partisanship, fueled by a constant culture of outrage, crippled by a preoccupation with technology, plundered by greedy boomers and annoyed. Boomers versus the narcissism
1: of the millennials. Yes. Those who that created the conflict that the 420 said was going to be created.
0: Yep. Plundered by greedy boomers and annoyed by overly sensitive millennials. All of this is happening while we face the greatest challenge of our times. Now, this is where I depart with this article, oh, climate change.
1: change. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's you know, just skip look, over I, that. One. I bought into this climate change stuff uh, uh, until I actually started looking into it. Just, you know, you know, and I have to actually thank the last two years because you really, when you were like, Well, the same character that was wrong about everything about the the virus and the lockdowns is is the same institute that put out the climate change model. I'm like, wait a minute, what? Right. So all the last 10 years I was listening to this institute that I now know is fraudulent on this. Yeah. Why were not they fraudulent on that? Right. And they use the same computer models that predict things that never happen. Okay.
0: You're you're bringing up a great point because I climate change is one of those things I haven't spent the time researching it enough to know what I think about it. However, the past couple of years with everything I learned about the media and COVID and how wrong they were about so many things and how they would push propaganda, like you, I've become very highly
1: skeptical about it. And so I kind of want to go back and revisit that and just see. Go back to, remember when we were kids, we kept hearing about the ozone layer? Yeah, and they, they would even do like satellite images. There's no ozone layer. Where the hell's the ozone? Nobody's talking about it anymore. Looks like the ozone layer is fine, right? It's like that didn't happen, right? And so it was, I remember even more the '70s. With the '70s, there was the acid rain thing. That might even mm-hmm. before Yuri. I I remember watching all these like you know environmental commercials when I was a little kid in my apartment in Brooklyn, in 1977, and they were all about acid rain. Well, why don't we ever hear that about it? Where's the acid rain, right? And so it's just it, it, the yeah. Well, the phenomena, the, the, the yeah, we're all dying from acid rain, and the phenomena is this is that I, I mean, I've I, from what I've studied, bit, I don't need to make this a climate change discussion throughout history, throughout recorded history, climate changes because that's the nature of the planet, right? It's cyclical, like everything, like history, it's the nature of the planet, and so it is our narcissism that believes that we caused this current phenomena, and then as a result, right. we can change this current phenomena. This is God's history, you know. The Sahara was once green, you know, the when the pyramids were built, uh, it was a green area. Right. You know, it was it was it was closer to like the Amazon than it is today a desert. Right. And nobody did that. Right. That's just the history of the world, which balances itself out in different ways. And so but it is our it is our belief in our own sort of atheistic power over the cosmos that we can control the weather. And
0: therefore, we need to allow the government to control us.
1: Correct.
0: Um, I yeah, I definitely.
1: taxes. It will save the world from this global climate change. Our higher taxes will do it.
0: Yeah, I definitely have to spend some time reading about it. Um, There's too many other things that interest me right now. So Mm -hmm. I'll just put myself in the skeptical category and leave it at that. But it is is interesting the way they're constantly pushing this lately. And so even in this piece, it says it's talking about Gen X, all the great qualities of Gen X, which is one of those is skepticism. It mentions that twice. And then it says, but climate
1: change. And you're like, I "I thought you just said that we're skeptical. And well, that who's that we who's should the writer? Be the writers of millennial. The writers of millennial, right? Probably. And so they're unself-aware. It's like asking somebody to see outside their paradigm, right? You're asking somebody to look outside the box. They can't do it. They're not even aware of it. No, this person's Gen X. So okay. she says You're a traitor. You're a traitor.
0: <laughs> she says also. I must admit that this message is for Gen Xers as well. Many of us have lost our way by forgetting our disdain for authority and skepticism towards institutions. Okay, so, but let's move on. Let's go yeah. to these. I'm going to read these and and then when I'm okay. done, you tell me about each one, what you think. So number five, these are some, she says, these are some top five Gen X values that we need to embrace again. Number five, buying vintage items. I already know I'm on board with this. Well, look at uh, the living <laughs> example
1: of that. So next, <laughs> this is proof. You know why? You know why? It's because beneath, I'm going to give a profound analysis here, beneath our nonchalance and our we don't care where the breakfast club is a lot of pain, which was the truth of the breakfast club, right? And we're looking for the security of a past that we were never given. We're looking for the security of the past that that allowed the boomers to be jerk offs. These Generation Z people will look long for the security that allowed these millennial jerk offs to create a Crappy world for them, right? And so that's why we look to the past because we, it's like looking for mommy. We never had it.
0: That's that's an amazing insight, and I have to think about it more. But yes, I love old things. Mm-hmm. I, I don't like the idea of old things not having a loving home, even though they're just things. And I've that's us. <laughs> that's us. <laughs> and I I have so many so we have, you know, we bought this um, old house and we're currently renovating it mm-hmm. and I have too many old Victorian, couches to even fit in it and i've I've, i have to stop because if i see a good
1: deal on like facebook marketplace i'm like how could you get rid of that for a hundred dollars it's beautiful just need somebody to give it some love (laughs) for me i'm i'm a roaring 20s guy i've got these tiffany lamps in my home oh yeah i mean i i mean i'm 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 like a flapper at heart right because that's what i am right and so uh
0: yeah, oh, Cameron, once we get our place fixed up and you come visit, oh, yeah. we'll put you in the room with an old, an old radio from, we have this this tall radio from the twenties yeah. and just like all those old, uh, our friend uh, Josh Slocum, he's got the, he loves the old gone with the wind lamps. I have a bunch of those lamps just like, yeah, collecting all you're right. There's probably something there. It's this idea that this beautiful old history, somebody needs to love it. And, and my dream would be to get to a place where I can open a little shop where I just have old things that I've collected that I, because I can't justify putting them in my all of my house. Okay, they're in my shop. With
1: others, yeah, no, and, right. Uh, and it, but these were all crafted at a time when people had the luxury to do them. While we're mm-hmm. we're just trying to survive, these people had a peaceful enough environment to spend time to create something beautiful, right? Yes, uh, and we didn't have that, and so we long for it.
0: They built things to last. They took mm-hmm. time, yes. like you said, the. I found an old mixer in a thrift shop. Uh, one of these it's sunbeam. I forget the other name to it, but anyway, glass, bake bowls. And this mixer is put together so well. It's from the fifties or sixties. I got rid of my new one, which was a piece of crap compared to this one. It's like, okay, I'm just going to keep this. Oh, old one.
1: technology Never gets better. Like, you know, I Microsoft Word one was better than Microsoft Word twenty four. Whatever we're using, right? It, it it just gets worse, right? And that's why we long for the past because it's always it's not about improving anything. It's about keeping people employed, so they have to screw things up, which is the whole progressive movement. Everything's fine, so you got to screw it up so you can have progress, right? Mm-hmm. And that's yep. what that, that's why the past is better because you know these weren't people that were trying to screw anything up; they were just trying to create.
0: So let's move on to number four. Mm-hmm. Another value of Gen X that would help save the world. Number four, corporate skepticism.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, the the joke now, the joke that we're seeing right now play out in Hollywood is all these millennial liberals spent the last decade telling us that corporations need to get out of politics it's dirty money we don't want them influencing politics and now they're like Disney has to spend its money in Florida gets his bill right and we're <laughs> gonna boycott the company we're gonna it's like hey, did yes. you just Disney shouldn't because Bob Chapin, the head of Disney just said you know what you're we're just gonna not give money to any corporate we're not we're gonna get out of politics which is what you wanted we're not going to give money to Republicans yay we're not going to give money to Democrats what <laughs> I saw that on Twitter. Like, I'm banned from Twitter, but I can still match it. This, like, this kid, I mean, I'm a Dartmouth grad, so embarrassing. This kid's a Dartmouth student. He's like a big loudmouth leftist, right? Who's like a spokesman for the young Democrats, whatever the hell he is. And he put out this tweet, you know, and it became like this famous tweet, put out tweet saying, at last, you know, when, when Bob Chapek said, we're pulling money out of, we're not going to give any more political donations to Florida, right? And he's so excited. And then literally one hour later, he posts, we didn't, but they're not giving you any money to Democrats either. That's immoral. It's just wow. like two tweets with their this famous Twitter account, the define L's, which compares people before and after. Yes. Put that out there, right? And just said this is this is like a it's like a record. Within one hour, he had contradicted himself because he's like no po- money to politicians, but only politicians I don't like. So I mean, that's that's this kind of fraudulence, right? That, that we're going back to this thing here, which is you know don't trust the corporations because these clowns are now the millennials are saying the cor- we, the corporations are our way to save the world. It's so, so let me say something about this. So I I
0: came up at the, around the same time as you, the, mm-hmm. and I came up on the left and we had a great disdain for corporations and, and a great mistrust and skepticism towards them. And then something happened. The corporation, so once the culture became, and the left in particular became more woke, so yeah. liberalism was being eaten and pushed out by this leftist authoritarianism, this just, woke idea. It mouse, it's my right? It's Maoist cultural revolution stuff. It's Maoism, yes. So while while the, the liberalism was being pushed out and woke ideology was becoming more prevalent, the corporations realized if we start speaking woke, then we can appeal to this very cynical market that doesn't like us. And so they all started speaking it in the past few years. You've got McDonald's, you've got Target, you've got Amazon, every corporation is like systemic racism and you know anti-racism and and trans you know uh, trans women are women and, and they're all and you would think you would think that Gen Xers would be that we would be skeptical enough to see through that but I'm shocked by some of the friends who haven't. I saw a friend a few years ago when they first started doing all this woke advertising I noticed it was during the Super Bowl. This was maybe 4 or 5 years ago. It started a while back. And there was a Procter & Gamble ad that had nothing to do with their products. It was just about racism. And it had nothing to do with what they're selling. And then I had friends on social media who were like, OMG, this Procter & Gamble ad made me cry. Like, I love it. And it's like, dude, it's a corporate. They're cynically using your
1: emotions. What's wrong with you? Well, but, but you see that what it is, is it's just Maoism, which is cynical, right? Which is Maoism is a cynical ideology, which is a basically use whatever instrument you have to achieve the ideology, right? You know, and and the ideology is subversion for its own sake, right? Mm-hmm. It, is, it is destroy everything and rebuild it. And mm-hmm. so if you can use a corporation to achieve that objective. Why wouldn't you? Because the goal is not... Some consistent ideology, like liberalism is at least a consistent ideology, right? Maoism is about destroying everything to start all over, right? Mm -hmm. With, of course, the person doing it in charge, right? That's And so you use every instrument. If your goal is destruction, it would be foolish to not use every instrument society provides you. Use everything you got.
0: Yeah. I'm going to put up, before I read number three, just so I don't get too behind... Thank you guys for the super chats. This is I'll fight you naked says I'm a latchkey generation X. Now I understand why I have to fight the urge to kill the very old and very young and people with bug eyes or who say like a lot like.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, but like, you know, it, let's, let's deconstruct like, right? We said like okay. all the time. It's, it's because we understood the power of analogy, right? We understood we were poets at heart and poets are all about analogy. Metaphor, simile. We understood that. Where do poets come from? They come from pain.
0: Hmm.
1: That's why we said like. I just made that up right now, it sounds really good. It sounds it profound. Good. I wouldn't know. Good. I, I wouldn't know. Made it up right now. It <laughs> I just, see what happens with me, Carrie? Is I just I just talk and I let this like you Christian say, I let the spirit move me. And then shit comes out of my mouth. Like, That's really good. Let's go with that. That's how I write too. <laughs> <laughs> write that down. Okay. So Tara T,
0: thank you, Tara T says, I'm a Gen X mom with young Gen Z kids. My kids are being raised red pilled. Lord have mercy.
1: Well, Lord have mercy upon the world that's going to get your kids because they're they're going to be the leaders. You know, know, the the leaders are the ones that understand how the world works and they're the ones that are going to pull us out of this garbage, right? Yeah. Generation two and generation four, they're the saviors every time. Generation one and generation three are always the troublemakers.
0: I'll fight you naked. Thank you. I'll fight you naked again. says, I hope a solar flare hits the reset button.
1: (laughs) Thank you. Well, uh, you know, but that's a fascinating thing. So, you know, I'm going to go on a random thing here. For example, like, you know, I'm very much a traditional economics guy. I'm an Austrian economics, Ludwig von Mises, right? Believe in, you know, free markets and and, and a decentralized banking system and all that stuff, which is traditional, which we don't have, right? We don't have that, right? Uh, And so I believe in things like the gold standard. I believe in that, and we're going now. We're understanding why you need something like the gold standard because mass inflation is what's happening when you've got a piece of paper that's not worth anything. The reason I'm bringing this up is that now everyone, particularly the millennials, is jumping on Bitcoin. And I understand the the logic of Bitcoin. There's probably Bitcoin investors here and people who've made money on it. I absolutely understand the logic of Bitcoin. You're having it's essentially kind of electronic version of a controlled currency, like a gold-backed currency. It right. Makes perfect sense, right? I support the philosophy of that. The one challenge with that is. You got one solar flare that wipes out all the computers. What are we gonna do? Your Bitcoin's gone, gold yeah. and silver are around, and that I mean that's happened throughout history, mm-hmm. right? You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's happened. the The last solar flare that missed us, that would have wiped out civilization, was 2012. Good old 2012. NASA announced that a solar flare that would have wiped out all electronics on the planet permanently missed us by five days. Wow! And so five days earlier. It would have brought us back to the Stone Age because the way it works with 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 a with a, with a uh, and that actually goes us back to the day after. You're not going to remember this moment in the day after before the nukes go off. There's a scene, which which most people don't realize. There's a scene of an EMF pulse being put off in the atmosphere before the nukes go off because the first thing you do in a nuclear war is you shut off the electronics on the other side. So Communications. The, yeah, and the, what they would do is they the, and this is the accuracy of that movie in 1982, whenever it was. The Soviets detonate a new it's a Kansas City or some city like that. They detonate a nuke over the city, like in space. Right. And that mm-hmm. suddenly all the cars stop working. All electronics stop. So people can't escape. Right? Wow. And then the actual mushroom cloud bombs start dropping. So an EMF pulse, whether it's from a nuclear bomb set off 100 miles in space or from the sun, would send us back. and. The U.S. Congress has done a report on this. I've read the report, and they did a report 10 years on this, uh, ago on this, that the greatest danger to, uh, to, human, to America is an EMF pulse, uh, which would basically we wouldn't be able to rebuild because cars would stop functioning, all electrons stop functioning. So in order to fix all the electronics, you'd have to get from city to city by horseback. That's going to take yeah. decades. And so we would basically yeah. – would, refrigerators wouldn't work anymore, all your drugs would get spoiled. People would. The Congress said, in an EMF pulse, ninety percent of America would be dead in in twelve in twelve months. Let me America. ask you a question: What would you,
0: as a Gen Xer, suggest yes. Yes. that people invest in, other than Bitcoin, if they were afraid of and wanted to prepare a, prepare
1: for just in case this ever happened? Good old, good old gold and silver. It's it's about again going back to the past, right? We love the past. Good old gold and silver, and buy land. I have a friend of mine who left L.A. and he's got farmland in Virginia now. His, okay. family, his relatives think he's crazy, and he's the most rational person there because he's got a fresh stream. There's fish in the stream. He can live on that land if it all comes crashing down. He never has to leave that land. He's got food there.
0: Natural okay, food. I was going to say – I wasn't I wasn't going to say gold and silver. I was going to say land, so we agree on that. Gu- okay. Some kind of weapons to protect yourself. Yeah, herself. well,
1: weapons are standard. you got to have that. Otherwise, you're not. Right. Yeah. Uh, maybe chickens maybe some kind yeah. of something chickens, that chickens if you've got water I mean number one you've got to find fresh water right having land in the desert's not going to help you like land where there's fresh water is going to help you right like my, my friend has a freshwater stream he's set and there's fish in the stream he's completely set he's got fresh water to drink from and food in the stream it's all natural Done. yeah he's got- Never has to leave that place. And he's got lots of guns. This is my Muslim friend who's like, he's like, he's like, <laughs> he's like, he's like I love these rednecks I'm living next to. They're treating me better than all these Hollywood ed- Jack and jack- who kept saying, Oh, I love you, little brown Muslim guy, right? He's like, and he's like, <laughs> and so, but he's got little signs on his property that says, You know, warning, you you are not trespassing. I can see you in my sniper scope, right? Wow. The second line is if you at this point you're now a target, right? If you cross this line, he's got those signs all over his land, he got them for his redneck neighbors, right? And he's like, he, but he literally has like a rifle with a sniper. Like, <laughs> if anybody crosses in my land, I'll shoot
0: them. <laughs> you know, the ones I see here in Texas a lot of the signs that have a gun and it says, In this house, we don't call 911.
1: <laughs> well, and that's the thing is. People don't understand. That's the norm of human civilization. The brief moment that we created these beautiful towers and we're all sitting around, you know, hanging out in this these, you know, things getting getting truck drivers to bring us our food. That's not normal. Mm-hmm. That's not normal. Normal is you're scrambling to survive and you, you live off what you can with your hands. That's normal. That's but, normal. Yes. And for most of
0: die, you're going to die. For most of human existence, that's been normal. We've been living in this weird sort of. Uh, make believe kind of a time where we just had so much opulence and and so many gifts and not even i think for a lot of people not even recognizing it as being being so privileged and i don't mean privilege in the social justice way about your race or your sex or your identity i mean just privileged in terms of how many choices we have and opportunities and and how much wealth we ha- have, how how much convenience, how about that, privilege in a way of
1: convenience, you know? Yeah, and it's not, but the thing is it's happened in history. I mean, whenever civilizations rise, they start off and that's what the point of the turning is. There's the, oh, right. the gener- you know, the generation that starts it off are the pioneers, right? And, you know, and so it's, it, that's the process. And, if, uh, you know, there, there's another great book uh, called the, uh, the Fate of Empires, which you should read, called by Sir John Glubb. Put it on your- I've book, heard book. of this one, okay. The Fate of Empire. Sir John Glob, so he's an interesting character. He wrote this. At He was a British um, military guy. He ended up, after decolonization, he ended up being commissioned by the Jordanian army to train its army. So he was like a general of the Jordanian army, all right, and he trained their army. and That's actually a really effective army because of this guy. And so Sir John Glob is this British guy, and he wrote this book. As the British Empire was beginning to collapse, in you know, as he's watching everything that he grew up with, you know, Britain controlled half the planet. Now they're out of India. Now they're out of the Middle East. Now they're out of this. They're out of that. He's watching it happen, right? The whole thing collapsing in front of him. So he writes his book, which is the cycles of empires, called *The Fate of Empires*, and he has a thesis that every empire has an almost exact, to the date, 250-year cycle. Again, a cyclical uh, thesis. He wrote this back in the 60s. And his thesis was the first generation, at the beginning of the 250-year cycle, are are the pioneers that are coming out of the collapse of the previous civilization. Right, Okay. And they start all over from the beginning. And they start rebuilding. And they're aggressive survivors. And they end up reconquering out of the collapse and making something for themselves. And then the generation after that starts building on it. You know, they become essentially the managers of the wealth. And then after that, the artists start coming because now it's a prosperous society, right? And then after the artists start coming, you start getting the rich fat cats, right? Who,
0: this, is, this is what happens in neighborhoods. You can see this on a small scale. This is how gentrification happens. It's like first the artists, the hippies move in. The pioneers come first. Nobody's there but the pioneers, yeah. right? They go and settle the wild Again, west. They
1: kick out whoever's there. Who, you know, that's yeah. how it works and then the next thing right that's how it works and right? then the artists come
0: in and they make it cool and then who comes the fat cats the fat cat, but
1: the... this, is the big, this is the next stage this is the turning point stage you talked about in the book the fat cats don't want to do the hard work that the first three generations did They're, they want to sit mm-hmm. down and be fat and, and enjoy it right so what do they do they start bringing in foreigners people not of the community to work as their servants whether it's slaves mm-hmm. or whether it's servants it's like okay We're not going to do this work. Get these Mexican guys to do it. Then Mm -hmm. the next generation after that, the servants start populating and becoming more and more influential because the day-to-day activity is now given to them. So they start getting political power because the civilization won't work. If all the Mexicans went on strike in LA, LA ends today. It just ends. It It just comes to an end. The entire restaurant industry would collapse. uh, The Mexican community that is mistreated so much you know, in, in, and you're in Texas, you see some of this, right? And, and my mother, she came and she's like, these are the hardest working people I've ever met, these Mexican workers. I've never seen anything like this, right? And if they stopped, it all ends. And then they realize their political power. Then you start having a conflict between the the old timers and the new guys they brought in to be their workers who realize the power is shifting, right? Then suddenly the resentment towards the worker class starts and then the bigotry towards them starts. But it's too late now because these fat cats are too weak to fight that. And you begin to see the collapse of the civilization that was built by the fat cats' great-great-grandparents. Yeah. And one of the things he talks about is when the fat cats start freaking out, they start building walls thinking that's going to stop it. And that's the last stage. Before it's like when you start building the wall, it's you're already finished. You ain't gonna stop human migration to a wall. It's not gonna happen. The Chinese tried late. it. And the Mongolians were already over the wall. It's too late. You know these Dion- ladies, right now. They built this wall. It Doesn't stop nothing in Palestine. Nothing. And but that's the moment you're like you've lost complete control. So you try to stop a historical force that's beyond your ability to stop. And it's too late.
0: Dion just says Dion, Dion is the lady of perfectly appropriate quotes. And she just put one in the chat. Uh, Adversity makes men and prosperity makes monsters. Victor Hugo.
1: That is correct. That is correct. And that's why I think our traditional religions kept emphasizing things like spiritual discipline, like fasting, like the Ramadan is coming in two weeks. Uh, I haven't fasted in a long time. I'm going to make every effort, this, God willing, this year to actually fast the full month, right? Fasting is very hard for me, but I got to do it because it's a self... It's a self-denial of the comforts we're talking about, and so, and it's teaching of self-discipline, right? Yes. It, our religions have this for a reason because it's the rich people, the fat people, that need to fast. You know, if we, you know, this whole COVID thing, if we didn't have an obese society, would have gone right through us without a problem, right? But when? Um, so when does Ramadan start? It starts this year probably on April third. It's based on the lunar sighting. Okay. So, you know, the new moon is sighted on. It will likely be sighted on the night of April second. Okay. And so it'll start on April third. And so I'll, I'll be doing my best and you know it ain't it ain't easy no food water or sex during uh d- during dawn to, to uh, sunset so you know it's sex But quality. you can
0: choose other things that you're giving up like you're going to give up
1: well i mean yeah these people then just like just like people do for lent i'm giving us the idea right. is this is time you got to focus on your spirituality you're just required no food water or sex during daylight hours right and th- this year it's going to be probably about 12 hours a day right uh and the water is hard for a lot of people but you do it i've seen nba players play games, fasting without water. It's during
0: daylight hours. Can I tell you, so I was living in, um, I lived in Tanzania for half a year Mm -hmm. when I was in college and spent the last week, a couple of weeks in Zanzibar, which is right off the coast. And it's um, very high Muslim population. and. And so I was there doing Ramadan, and what would happen is at night, so everybody was fasting during the day, and then at night, you're on an island, it's right in the ocean, right? At night, there would be these wonderful seafood
1: just feasts on the beach. Oh, every night, it's a 30-night feast. I mean, and, so, and a gentleman just asked, actually, and I responded in the chat, that he's like, well, why do, why do Muslims gorge themselves? I was like, uh, you know, it's like, yeah, we gorge ourselves before, first of all, you're re- required in the morning before dawn to eat, because you're not here to torture your body. You need food, right? You have, you eat enough for the day and water, and then you don't eat for 12 hours, right? And then at night, you party. So it's a huge celebration in the Muslim world. In LA, it'll just be like, oh, go hang out, and say hello to the homeless guy, right? You know, <laughs> so, yeah. but, you know, but it's, uh, but it, every night in the Muslim world, Zanzibar, it's a 30 night feast. And that's good because, you know, it is hard. People are like, oh, I can get up at at five in the morning and have a full dinner and whatever. You think you can, (laughs) Try try it one day. And this is, look, in the Bible, this is the Yom Kippur fast, it's done for one day and it's structured exactly like this, right? And it's hard, my Jewish friends who do it, it's hard. It's like Mardi Gras before Lent, yeah. Because you have to have a balance. Because no, no successful religious culture can survive if it's all about self-abnegation and despair. You've got to, it's all. All of our successful religions are about balance, which is where our society is out of balance, right? So, that's why you need these things.
0: Yeah, uh, this is off subject. I'm just going to read it because it makes yes. me happy. Dan Trainer says I started reading *Crime and Punishment* last night. Awesome. I we just read that and for book club, and it was.
1: You Amazing! Are, you're reading a Russian writer. <laughs> All right, you're such a traitor. <laughs> you know, this like this National Science Association Space Association has now delisted Yuri Gagarin as no. from the first the first human being in space, and they've like taken away Yuri Gagarin for political reasons. I was like, dude, you could take him off the list. It don't change the fact this dude is the first human being in space. Are you crazy? It's- I mean. He's a hero, not for the Soviet union. He's the hero for mankind. It is off the craziest thing on the planet. He went you know, when it was, I know,
0: Boston. I know, but Cameron, Cameron, they're also banning Russian cats from cat comp shows. And it's just ridiculous. I, I don't even, let's not even go down that rabbit hole. Cause I do oh, want to get back to this fun yes. article. So number three, Cole, we're back to the article. Scroll down. These are values of Gen X that would help in the current culture wars. Number three, just say whatever. Okay. Oh, oh yeah. two of the most popular Gen X phrases were whatever and talk to the hand because the face don't give a damn. <laughs>
1: That's right. Okay. I, I just <laughs> want to just take one moment. There's a gentleman in the yeah. cat who's talking about Do this. it. I, yeah, yeah. He keeps talking about fasting, and I think he's coming from a critical point of view. Oh, go right ahead. And So look, my brother, he just wrote, this Daniel Harp gentleman wrote in there is like, well, Jesus condemns fasting to be seen by others. The implication of your thing is, you're presuming that we Muslims fast to be seen by others and anyone in any religion who's fasting or praying or doing anything to be seen by others, guess what is condemned by their own religion. Yes. So if the idea is like, well, we're off, all we Muslims are fasting to be seen by others. I'm here in LA. Nobody's seeing me, man. You know, nobody's seeing me. And I'm, and I am doing it, doing it because I want to discipline myself, uh, you know, and, and, and learn what it's like to be poor for a little bit, you know, hungry people in this world, they fast, whether they like it or not. Right. And so, so, if the if the point of the because I've seen a series of tweets from you if the point is to critique Islam you can keep critiquing it but I think it's more projection of the fact that you just it's not your religion and so you're projecting your own negative well, about people in that community don't do that I'm not doing that to Christians if that's what's happening here because I keep seeing your comments I don't when a Christian tells me they're fasting for Lent I don't go well he's just doing that because he was raised as a Catholic I'm like good I'm I'm glad you're doing something that that's working for you so let's why don't we get to that place
0: I I actually you're making me think of because I was talking about with someone recently who. Uh, is agnostic mm-hmm. about some of the Bible verses in Christianity, about people who pray on street corners. So they might be seen praying like the hypocrites. Right. And, and I was talking to him about like, it doesn't mean that public prayer. Yeah. Right. It doesn't mean that public prayer is bad. It doesn't mean that you can't profess your faith publicly or you shouldn't. What well, it means me is face face. wait, wait, wait. just let me fit quick. That's okay. What it means is that, uh, you're, it, it's about your intent. If your intent is to, if you're doing it, so, um, uh, because you want to be seen as a good person, if it's that self fulfilling thing where you're feeding yourself and your own ego and the entire point is to affect what people think of you. That's when it's wrong, man. It's like pr- public prayer is not bad in and of itself. It's when the public prayer is just, it's like virtue signal. It's like people that put a black square on their profile so that they may be seen by men
1: as being a good person. You know what I mean? Or they put a noon, which is the Arabic letter for N, uh, just to show everybody, mm-hmm. look, I support the Christians. Well, guess what? I support Christians too, and I'm Muslim. You know, And so it's 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 in my religion, and we can get back onto our main topic, mm-hmm. in the Quran, The Munafiqoon, which is the word for hypocrites. The Munafiqoon are the most highly condemned. These are people in the Muslim community that are doing exactly what this gentleman is critiquing. What is the word? Uh, Munafiq means hypocrite. And in Islamic tradition, the Munafiqs are the lowest in hell. They're the the wow. Because they're the ones, because they corrupt religion, they guide other people away from it. People go and go, this guy's just a fraud. I guess a religion. Yes. Right? Right? If that's what this is all about. And so people say, they're, and so they're the worst because they are Satan's effort to mislead people in the veil of holiness. So that's in the Christian tradition, and it's all over the Quran. So we are any religion that works doesn't doesn't promote hypocrisy. You know mm-hmm. what? It's
0: it's th- there's verses like that in Christianity too. Because I, I've thought about this a lot lately. That hypocrites, people that are con artists, especially mm-hmm. within a faith system, they mm-hmm. are. Um, they're not just somebody in our community said this. It, it, it's not. Ju- they're not just wolves in sheep's clothing. They're wolves in shepherds' clothing, and, and
1: that's, that's even worse. Worse, they're, they're, because the sheep is now trusting. The yes. wolf in sheep clothing is just another buddy with you, right? This is the person you're trusting to protect you. Yes. Right. And they're leading you astray. So of course, that idea and what Jesus was was condemning. It's not like this first time it has happened was you know. 25 AD, right? This has happened throughout human history, right? This is, I mean, Moses was dealing with this, right? And this is a like human thing of people. I mean, you know, that's the whole thing of the of Moses and the golden calf. Who are the people that worship the golden calf? They were the hypocrites amongst the, the people of Israel. The moment Moses is out of the picture, their true nature comes out and they lead everybody astray, right? Mm-hmm. And Moses kills them all. He kills like, yeah. three thousand, right? He's not exactly He's like, well, I feel He's like he kills them. And so all of our religions have these characters. And it's very important. And it will bring us back now to full circle that we're talking about here, which is the thing that that I think delineates Generation X is we can't stand hypocrisy. We've seen it. Yes, seen we, it. Can't. we can't. By the
0: way, Daniel tells you, uh, indeed, the intent of all religious activities is important. I didn't mean to throw shade. It just seems like fasting should include less eating, more praying. I will just say this as someone who is in um, you, Zanzib- Zanzibar during uh, Ramadan. The feasting was so much fun,
1: though. <laughs> You gotta have that stress. You gotta to have to lose the stress. But yes, look, and, and it is law we teach, there are people that fast in Ramadan that get nothing out of it. They get nothing out of it except a hungry stomach, right? Because they're not getting any spiritual benefit from it. They're, to them, they are the people that are doing it because well, everyone else is doing it. I gotta do it too. I gotta fit in, right? Or they're the people who are just like, whatever, fine, I'll do this. But the time is supposed to be spend your time on God. This is one month in the year that you're gonna shut off the system. That's why I'm like, I'm out of YouTube. I'm going to get off of social media. This is a chance to just shut off and focus on God and show yourself you can do it. You can live the rest. Of yeah. Yes.
0: Yeah. Well, plus here's the thing about the feasting. And I think about this when it comes to any kind of celebration involving yes. uh, people of faith is you're, it's also, it's not just about the food. Like when I was there, it was this sort of there's this is a celebration feeling. There's this community coming together, this celebratory thing, and sharing in something with community. And you went
1: through a communal experience, which was a yes. difficult experience, and now you can rejoice in it. That's why all the biblical feasts yes. come as after some kind of fast or some other religious ceremony, right? They're there to really celebrate what you all just went through.
0: And I was a total outsider in many ways. I was a Westerner. I was white. I was not Muslim. Yeah. But even being an outsider, there was this feeling of just like generosity and a generosity of spirit. And it was, it wasn't just about the delicious food. It
1: was just about celebrating with people and just, yeah. And yeah. in, in the Islamic tradition, uh food is viewed very much as a spiritual thing. For example, in India, how did Islam spread in India? It didn't spread through people conquering. Muslims remained less than 10% of the population the whole time even while they ruled it for which was for like a thousand years. Uh it was spread primarily through the Muslims would go into these uh these villages of the the uh, untouchables, you know, in the Hindu caste system, the very bottom of the untouchables, which you, you can't even you can't even do they're essentially like slaves. You can't even deal with them. If they if they come in the presence of a Brahmin, they they'll they'll be killed. Right? That's that's how Literally, they're untouchables. And they would go to their villages and they would sit in the middle of a village and open up a, uh, you know, set up a fire and start cooking and invite everyone to the village. Just eat. You're our brothers. This was incomprehensible to these people who were part of a rigid yes. caste system that you could eat with them. And that's how these people largely, you know, one of the the insult that Hindu nationalists often use about Muslims uh, from the subcontinent is, oh, you're just all low caste converts. Because they know that's kind of how uh. it's spread you got all these slaves that we fed food to your, your tradition was treating them with disrespect. Another tradition came in and gave them food. They of course they are going to go join that thing. Hmm. So, and that's, I mean, that's, you know, and as any Christian knows food, you know, Jesus is feeding, you know, the loaves, right? So it's a central miracle, right? Yeah. Food I was,
0: I God was rereading God. part of Exodus this weekend and it's the part where God has led uh, p- the people out of slavery and he's honored what he promised. And but then people are starting to grumble in the desert. And there's this part where he's like, listen, Moses, just tell him I'm gonna rain bread on him, okay? <laughs> and he does. <laughs> Wanna rain bread on you.
1: Just calm down. No, okay. It's, it's all good. okay. So, we talk about stuff, and that's the great thing about this channel is we can talk about all the social political stuff. But you and I are both believers, and I'm never gonna be I'm never gonna be ashamed about talking about faith, right? You know, I about love that faith in general, because this is what we need. We need this stuff. Otherwise we're stuck with this world created by the millennials. Plus we, yeah,
0: we should be able to talk about differing beliefs and, and without, uh, yeah, I, we, it just so I much of what The millennial, so me. much of the culture that the millennials has created is about not having conversation, not discussing things, especially if you have a different foundational.
1: Yeah, exactly. And, it's it's yeah. about covering up our differences to pretend we're the same. Right. Yes. And that's, that's not reality. And that only creates bitterness, resentment, bigotry, because you're not able to express it, right? And like we just had, like I want to thank Daniel who said something that I thought was because I've been on places where people are like, oh, your religion sucks." So, so I'm glad that wasn't your your comments weren't being motivated from that, and I'm glad you said that. And and I apologize too if I put if I presented it that way. And forgive me, that's coming from my own experience' There's So many times I deal with Chad, people are like, "Here's this Muslim guy. Let's tell him what we think," right? And and mm-hmm. so forgive me that I went to that place. But this is how conversation happens. You said something, I interpreted it a certain way. You clarified it, and we're all good.
0: Plus, I I like one of the things I like about talking about our differences, or just with people in general when I have conversations, is, is I like I like finding if you can find out where your differences are. Sometimes that's the easiest. But then after that, you can find out where you overlap, and that's what's the most interesting. Where do what do you have in common despite having such different? um
1: Sometimes and that's very of because of the distinction, you first feel a little distant from the person, and then the overlap brings you together, and you don't mm-hmm. lose your authenticity, you don't become what the other person is, but you start feeling a human empathy and connection to them. Yes. Okay. Let's keep going. Just say whatever. <laughs> just, say whatever. But just say whatever. But that's exactly it. It's like you saw how I've been reacting every time you're like, Global warning, like, well, whatever, whatever. Okay. Um, whatever. <laughs> you see, that's what I've been like, whatever. Here we go. That's my reaction. That's actually the word I've been saying on this, this podcast, right? Is whatever. It's just like, here we go, somebody spouting all this blah 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 blah. Whatever. Because you just it's just a bunch of hot air. You've been forced to listen to this, like you've been forced in the Breakfast Club to listen to your dumb, you know, boomer teacher lecturing you about. It. You have to have this and that if you want to succeed, son. You're like, whatever. I'm just, okay. Know. So if
0: I've taken one thing from this article, it's that I fully intend to bring back the
1: phrase, talk to the hand. So I'm going to start <laughs> using that. <laughs> that was our generation. <laughs> Black women started it, I think, in our generation. They knew how to do it, right? <laughs> I'm bringing it back, baby. It's like okay. we're just tired of hearing it. this. Like, oh my God, you know, it's like it's like these memes. Like, do you see that meme now with the with the NPC characters going, "I support the newest thing, whatever the newest thing the media tells me." To support, right? <laughs> you know, and so it's just like I don't want to hear it anymore. It's not here anymore. whatever crusade you're on, I don't care. Excuse me. I think we should call this episode "Talk to the Hand." Okay, number two. <laughs> that would be great. You talk to the hand. Yeah, <laughs> number two. And here we course, go. This, this is a bit of that. Can I give you that? The hand mm-hmm. in the Middle Eastern traditions historically, and that includes Christianity. Is, represents a symbol of God's protection right and if you go if you go in Judaism and Islam we still do have the hamsa which is the which is the symbol of protection which is the five hand which is seen as you know in Judaism it's called the eye of Miriam and Islam is called the eye of Fatima but it's a usually it's an amulet that has if you do you, you can probably pull it up on a google search the hamsa k-h-l or H A M. Oh
0: I've seen it there's like an Eye there's, there, a, there's right?
1: Like a beautiful, usually a turquoise eye or something between. But the idea is this five-fingered hand uh, and an eye in between, and it's used as a symbol. And it's pre-biblical tradition. They found this in, like, ancient North Africa, ancient Northeast before the Bible, right? So it's been part of that region of the hand as a protection. And if you story in the story of uh, Moses in the Bible, and there's a similar story in the Quran, where one of the first signs, most people not remember this sign, in the Bible before Moses throws down his staff and it becomes a snake, the first thing he does is he puts his hand into his breast, pulls it out, and it's shining white. That's the first sign that he gives Pharaoh, all right? And uh, that's the first sign, right? And it's so a yeah. protection from all these little forces that he's surrounding. is he's, he's entering to the Pharaoh's thing where they, he's a wanted murderer, right? And he's coming in. He does that first before he does anything else. And so the hand, talk to the hand, is us saying, yeah, talk to God. Get me out of this. God. I like the things that tumble out of your heads. For I just made minute. that up right now. It feel true. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you have a very interesting mind. Okay, number two. Here we go. Bring back snobbery. Now, again, anybody that's just oh yeah, in, oh my god, wait wait, yeah. wait, wait, oh, yeah. wait, 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 anybody that's just tuning in. These, this is a list of Gen X values that would help us in the current culture wars. So, number two, bring back snobbery. What were you going to say?
1: I mean, I I say bluntly, I say I'm a snob. I say it all the time because I don't. It, it's linked to talk to the hand. I don't have time for this garbage. I don't have time for garbage from stupid people. And the only way I can say that is to know who is a stupid person. And by acknowledging who's a stupid person, I'm inherently a snob because that's the <laughs> truth of it. I don't have time for this crap. You're a moron. I'm not going to listen to you. Bring
0: that. I I'm going to read some of this one because I completely agree with this. Good taste used to matter. In the 2000s, millennials decided that people have the right to like what they like and that it's worse to judge someone's personal taste than to have bad taste. Gen Xers based their entire personalities on taste and demanded integrity from artists and were rewarded by living in a time of superior films and music. That is 100% true.
1: We didn't take garbage. We didn't take garbage. We're like, I'm not going to watch that. What is this crap?
0: Yeah. Uh, These days, no one listens to new music. True. And we're stuck. (laughs) We're stuck in a world dominated by comic book movies because no one stood up and shamed people for liking low effort culture.
1: But, but that's it but look you know who were the why were so people so upset by the bad star wars you know because the millennials were all like the last jedi is the greatest movie ever made man it's a bad movie it's the worst movie i've ever seen and i've worked in the film industry 20 years it's a bad movie but you're like well it cuts this important theme about social Who cares about your stupid theme it's a bad movie <laughs> <laughs> and that's why we got upset about it cameron what's the last good movie you saw well, good movie. I mean, I I have to say, I like the Batman. I thought it was a perfect good movie. Okay. Blah, blah. You know, all the, you know, wh- one comment about white people. Who cares? It's a four hour movie. It's a long movie. And I, I thought it was very, very entertaining. It's, it's the most real Batman movie I've seen. And that includes the Nolan movies, which I liked. It feels like this is really happening. It feels like this is what would happen if Manhattan Batman showed up. Right. And it's got a really great vibe to it. The casting, in my opinion, is absolutely perfect. They they got, you know, they get you know, Zoe Kravitz is perfect as Catwoman. She's wonderful. And, you know, even Robert Pattinson, you know, who a lot of people were very skeptical about, when he's Batman, he's, you're like, that's Batman. I
0: heard he did a good Batman. job. Yeah. This comment is making me laugh. So I have to put this on the screen. Wait, what happened to it? It was a funny don't comment don't, don't about you. Oh, here it is. It is.
1: Okay.
0: It's like having a wild bobcat I on know. when <laughs> camera's here. <laughs> It's true.
1: It's true. Because I don't care. I don't care what you think. I will not. Talk to the hand. Talk to the
0: hand. <laughs> uh, somebody else said, I think I saw Teresa in there, and she said, I love Cameron. Uh, yeah, yeah, she did. So <clears throat> there was another, there was one other thing that was related. Let's see. Oh, good taste. This is great. This is so true. Lettuce says, "Good taste implies a standard for excellence." Yes, that's exactly why woke—they don't believe in good taste because they say everything is equal. You know, there's there's no standard. They don't they don't believe in meritocracy. They don't believe in some things being better than others. You know,
1: some art you know, being better you than you know other art. That? The rich dude who wants to make sure the rest of you remain slaves—that's a dude that promotes yes. that, right? Because he's like, "There's no standard except I stay rich and you all stay equally poor." <laughs> that's the standard, right? Yes, absolutely. Okay. We've made it down to number
0: one. Again, this is a list of values, Gen X values that would help in the current climate.
1: Number one, political apathy, (laughs) political apathy. Yeah. Yeah. We didn't care. We didn't care. Reagan won, Mondale won. We're like these guys both, these guys aren't serving us. They're serving whatever, whoever put them in power. We knew that. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. And so it's just like, this was the you know Clinton started, Clinton started the uh, the millennial hope and, you know, hope and dream, you know, the the man from hope, remember that campaign, the man from hope. You know, Reagan was just like, i'm just gonna I'm just gonna fix this crap that I've got to deal with. <laughs> That's all he was about, right? But he was hopeful, but it wasn't the man from hope. Was Reagan was all about, you know, City on a hill kind of imagery about America, and 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 Clinton was all about, look at me, I'm this handsome dude who's got all these hot chicks chasing him, and I'm the man from hope. And then Obama takes that to the next level. He's like, you know, I'm the man of destiny, right? You know, you I know. don't
0: remember the man from hope with Clinton, but I do remember Obama with the big hope thing at the bottom.
1: Shepard barely, yeah, yeah. Little, yeah that, that little, that little, uh, you know, that very well done painting that they had. That, whatever, you know, it's these kids have been told. That the politicians are going to save you that's what these millennials believe. yes hillary clinton gets elected it's going to be better and then they did it if joe biden gets elected it's going to be better this whole country's falling apart i mean it's like i want to go back to jimmy carter man bring jimmy carter back I mean, <laughs> he was a good guy i'll take that i'll take that <laughs> bring back the peanut farmer yeah bring that dude he did have a son who's like you know Got some strange stuff on his laptop. He was just a dude, right? I think Jimmy <laughs> Carter's biggest sin is like, Well, I admit that I've lust after women, and, you know, and oh, what a terrible thing he said. Whatever, whatever. I mean, bring back Jimmy Carter, but that's what these kids are watching. They're like, Why is a hamburger cost, a hamburger cost $10 now? Right? Yeah. Why can't I have to wear this mask and they don't have to wear this mask? Why is my teacher crazy? Why, why is every, Why is my teacher telling me that I'm a boy when I'm a girl, right? And, and you know, because I'm a tomboy and I like to play sports. Why is this happening to me, right? And so they're like, oh, these authority figures are all idiots.
0: Yeah. Dude, let me tell you, speaking of rising prices, yes. I just filled up my truck. this. Actually, I didn't fill it up because I only had $40 cash to spend on it. I went in. Usually, Here's 40 bucks That used to fill up my truck, half a tank of gas.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Crazy just crazy. And that if people don't think that I mean I know the rich, the elite right now are saying, like, you know, people need to stop complaining and suck it up and make sacrifices. Like if you don't think that's going to really impact people's lives and they're you know, driving to work and the bottom line and being able to provide for their kids, like you're so out of touch.
1: Well, the, that it's completely out of touch. It's it's like it's like these idiots saying, well, just get a Tesla. If you know, I was like okay, a Tesla costs what eighty thousand dollars and there's like a two-year waiting list yeah i'm sure i'm sure that's gonna the kid working on starbucks i'm sure that's gonna help him yeah right
0: mary d says i love cameron he's so speedy i learned so much about religion and culture in such a short amount of time yeah,
1: that's it. <laughs> I, I believe in the fire hose method of teaching <laughs> you get it all in one <laughs>
0: Okay, I just want to read a little bit of this, number one. So number one value that Gen X would, uh, that we should impart on people today. Political apathy. America's political divide has calcified over the past decade because more and more people are basing their personal identities on their politics. This is true. This has created a culture where the dialogue between liberals and conservatives has become a shouting match that only makes people dig their heels in further. I, I want to say something about this. I just interviewed... Uh, last week, I got to interview this therapist, Jake Wiskershyn. I, I mispronounced it. He, but he was talking about this and how when you start to view your belief system or your ideas, your ideas, your ideology as your identity, then you're going to feel personally attacked whenever anybody disagrees with your ideas because you're so personally invested in those ideas and you don't separate them from who you are as a person. And that's exactly what millennials do.
1: No, that's exactly it. And the problem with that is that as we know, because we've been through this on our own growth and your beliefs change, perfect example, Carrie, right? Your beliefs change and grow. And if your identity is based on a belief, it's an idol. And when you start, when you start resisting it, you start having internal conflict that leads to crisis that yes. leads to serious emotional crisis. When you part of, when your soul is waking up and saying what I believe is wrong, well, you fight it. Right. And it leads to a lot of the pathologies and a lot of the fanaticism in my experience, Having been a religious fanatic myself once, having been that, fanaticism of any kind, religious, political, it's the same thing. Fanaticism of a belief yeah. comes from your own inner conflict because you don't really believe it. You're trying to convince yourself, and so you have to convince everybody else.
0: Yes. I heard. Okay. I read a quote when I was just coming out of my old belief system. This is a while back, and it was by David Brooks, who I don't often okay. agree. I, I disagree with him as much as I agree with him. But he had, I, I read this quote of his that was something like, uh, people who substitute their political beliefs for spirituality end up becoming fanatics and that really stuck with me because that I was thinking that's sort of what I had been I was fanatical about social justice because it was a stand-in for spirituality for belief in God for all of its
1: religion and the worst thing is it's a religion of flawed human beings so the, it will collapse because it's a religion where you have you know, these, these cheap politicians who are hypocrites and banging hookers on the side are your leaders, right? And so there's no archetypal. You, know, you, can, be, and you can believe that all these religions are man-made and Jesus never existed and all that. It doesn't matter. What matters the the point of life of pie is that these are stories that work, right? That's what matters. And so the stories are not – Jesus ain't a uh, cheap politician, right? you know, and in the story, yeah. and it's something that's an archetypal idea that you can aspire to as a Christian, right? You know, and so yes. you can't, you can aspire to being like, you know, this, I can't even pronounce his name, Pete Buttigieg, how do I pronounce that dude's <laughs> name, right? I can't, you know, who's was like telling everybody to go get a test. Buddy car. G. You know, I don't know what this guy is, I don't know. I mean, whatever, you know, you can aspire to this clown who's like, well, my husband just had a baby, whatever, you know, and then I'm going to take off for three months and I do my job. I'm like, what? I mean, how are you going to aspire to people like this? Right. And so it's just, it's, so that's the, that's the sickness of, of yeah. all of these secular religions. And that leads to Maoism ultimately, which is the ultimate Maoism is where Bolshevikism t- goes all the way to the very end, which is pure. Let's kill 60 million people for the fun of it. Right. Yeah. You know, and that's where it takes it.
0: I know where, it, it, it's like the Cain and Abel story in the Bible. And and Peterson talks about this a lot Jordan Peterson. It's, it, yeah. About that story and how the path of Cain, which is that path of resentment and sort of what you're saying, it leads to what? Genocidal rage, murderous rage. It yep. leads to a very dark place. Um, Cole, I want to ask. Uh, let's take this article down. Yep. And I, do I still have you, Cameron, for like another fifteen? I, minutes I got twenty minutes,
1: and I do have to head out. So we got cool. Minutes.
0: Okay, twenty minutes. Let's go out on some more of these memes. If you could pull okay, up that. Yeah, Cause this is fun. We'll show. So I sent, I sent Cole, this uh, upworthy link. That's just memes and you haven't seen these yet. So, or maybe you have, but I didn't send it to you. So they, yeah. some of these will be new and it'll be fun. There, there've been so many when I, I told people I was going to do a Gen X show and then, and then I started seeing more and more of these and people sent me some, <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, there's great memes. They just don't tell, tell the truth in an image, right?
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, so for anybody listening at home, this is a picture of Donald Trump, and, he's, and he looks very angry. He's pointing at the sky. It says, boomers. And then there's a picture of Mark Zuckerberg also looking very angry and frowning it says millennials. And then there's a picture of Wayne from Wayne's World. It says, Gen X, and he's doing a thumbs up.
1: <laughs> I mean, look. Baby girl said it all. You see a hot girl, you go, swing. <laughs> <It'll just be laughs> <earlier. laughs> you go, swing. You know, <laughs> you know if, 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 if she was president, she'd be Babe Abraham Lincoln. I mean, come on. <laughs> I mean, so you know. inappropriate.
0: <laughs> He's just speaking the truth. Swing. <laughs> okay, let's go to the next one. <laughs> he went in close up on Trump. Uh, yeah, that face.
1: <laughs> I want to thank Mr. Trump for giving us his vaccine.
0: Okay. That's
1: company. Oh yeah.
0: Okay. This, so this is another one that's uh from Star Wars, and you've got Darth Vader fighting with Luke, and Darth Vader's the boomers, and Luke is the millennials. And then down below you've got Han Solo like
1: and he's doing whatever, whatever, whatever. i like, have taken control of the Death Star <laughs> station, whatever. Gen <laughs> X. Yeah, yeah, what happens. yeah. That's what happened. That's exactly <laughs> it. Well, that's why that's why we identified with Solo, right? Yes.
0: Completely Gen X. I like the energy.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I don't know if I agree with this one. I didn't react as well to this. This doesn't feel real to me i'll tell you no I, I, I yeah my initializing it. why it's a mistake let's analyze it
0: yeah okay so anybody just listening this is a picture from joker and it's joker looking at so, uh, something burning and I, I think that's heath ledger's joker and it says yeah. a boomer versus millennials gen x just wants to watch the world burn i don't agree with this gen that's x not- is i would say gen x is apathetic and desensitized but they're not nihilists
1: no, not nice. We don't want we've accepted the world is burning. Right. That whole thing. We didn't start the fire. Right. We've accepted this. This is something we have no power over. We don't want it to burn. We mm-hmm. don't want our world to always be hard, but that's all we've ever known. And we're watching these two clowns who are claiming to be firefighters who are igniting this blaze. And we're like, all right, whatever. You guys want to make it worse? You know, at least we, we see the truth of it. We don't want it to burn. That's the mistake, because I had a reaction when this came up. Didn't feel real to me.
0: Yeah, this one I don't. Let's do a, a meme reaction. Thumbs, da- two thumbs down.
1: <laughs> two thumbs, two thumbs down. Go ahead. Okay. All
0: right, this okay, is this nice. is good. This is yeah. good. Okay, we got the two screaming ladies again. We got uh the screaming cat lady, and we got the screaming Xena, Boomers and millennials, and then down below you got Jeff Bridges from The Big Lebowski smoking a doobie, and it says Jet X yeah, it's, it's
1: just, it's just like whatever, man. That's just your opinion, right? That's the line, whatever, man. That's your opinion, yeah. right? And so it's, uh, it's, it it, it is what it is because this is, this is us, right? It's like, because what you, all you hear are people screaming all the time. Eventually you zone out. You're Like, I don't want to hear this anymore. That's why the image is so real. Like, I don't want to hear this anymore. They're all just screaming all the time.
0: Yeah. This is a thumbs up for me. Yeah. And Tara, she agrees with us, by the way. She says, no, we are all rolling our eyes at watching the boomers and millennials burning the world. Correct. Yeah.
1: Correct. That's what we're doing. (laughs) What we got to do? (laughs) <laughs> this is, this is, yeah, you two monkeys fight we're gonna have fun yeah. <laughs> this is the simpsons
0: one where you got <laughs> all the simpsons characters are in a half circle and they're all placing bets and in the middle you got two monkeys fighting the millennials and the boomers. <laughs> This is the best one yet.
1: (laughs) I mean, it's true. We're like, (laughs) watch these dudes destroy each other. (laughs) You want to make money? (laughs) (laughs) I love your laugh. Okay. (laughs) Uh,
0: Okay, then we got a new one. Rage Against the Machine reunites. And then it says, dudes around 40 years old. And it's a picture of Ron Swanson running through the forest.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it, I, because also Rage Against the Machine is now out there like, well, you can't come to our uh, concerts unless you got the pharmaceutical pass, right? It's just like that's Rage Against the Machine. I mean, whatever. I mean, so yeah, yeah. but that's exactly Yeah, right? yeah it's, it's just like I guess you guys forgot what you are. Whatever. Maybe. Yeah, never
0: Dan were. Dan Trainer says this one's not funny. I agree. Yeah, not like, that, Yeah, whatever. That, whatever. Yeah, Down. no laughs.
1: Yeah. After that incredible Simpsons one, it's yeah. just, <laughs> just there to cheer it on with their buddy. <laughs> That's how I see these idiots, just two monkeys.
0: <laughs> uh,
1: okay, well, this is kind of okay. maybe... It's, it's not that funny, but it's true.
0: Yeah, it's the lady screaming at the cat one, and it says uh, Gen Z is, is the lady screaming at the cat, and she says Gen X is the Karen generation. And then the cat is Gen X says jokes on you, beware Gen X is back in the game. I don't know.
1: Yeah, it's we, not funny. It's true.
0: And and it doesn't really make sense because I don't think they accuse us of being the Karen's. We're not the people snitching on our neighbors.
1: Yeah, we, we I mean it's a, it's a weird thing. I mean, we're definitely back in the game, but we're not Karens. You know, we literally like we don't care. Karen's care too much. Mm-hmm. So that's that's an it, it down, that
0: thumbs that, down. That, that,
1: that, that. <laughs> Made yeah, some G-Man. Some millennial doesn't understand. Yeah, G-Man no, says I, I don't really get that one. Or maybe that's a millennial kid, whatever. We got this one here, okay. Uh, meh, it's okay. Yeah, not, it's whatever. Let's move on. Yeah, that's
0: not me. <laughs> <right>. That's boring. <laughs> yeah, I'm boring.
1: For the First reason. of all, you don't want, don't make people read this much when you do me. Yeah, that's the point of the, the genius of me. You got the Simpsons guy, I couldn't stop laughing. All you need is to see those guys standing there with their money and do monkeys yeah. fighting, that's all you need. You know, just images like the, that thing with Trump and, the, you know, and it's just like, you know, whatever. You see, this, is, this is being done by people that don't know how to be. All right. <laughs> okay, this
0: is better. Fewer it's words. Okay. It's fine. It's okay.
1: Yeah, it's, it's got a, it's a, it
0: says, boomer humor, I hate my wife. Millennial humor, I hate my life. Gen X humor, and it's just uh, John Travolta from Pulp Fiction standing there going, huh? It's,
1: gonna, gonna
0: it's okay. Five, Okay, middle. Talk to the hand. Yeah. It's
1: like, okay. <laughs> uh, all right. I don't know what the point of that one was, but all right, whatever.
0: Tree all Surgeon right. says, I'm here to lead, not to read. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, okay, do God. we
0: have any more Cole?
1: Do we have, do we have any more?
0: We'll see. Can, can you
1: send me? Can you email me that that Simpsons one? Because yes. I'm gonna put it in my file, I have a file of like fun memes that I keep. Right. I always going to use, them. I never use them. I just keep them. It's like, you know what they are? They're like that NFT that you think is gonna be worth millions of dollars someday. Uh, you know yeah. See, I, I this NFT thing is the example of of millennials, like you know, saying, Oh, this is the next. I literally got an email from somebody's like, Oh, we want you to be part of our NFT company. I was like Yeah, I'm not going to do that, right? Because to me, it's like a millennial fraud thing, right? I mean, to me, it's obviously self-evidently fraud, right? But it's a, you know, but the millennials are all like, "This is the wave of the future," right? I'm like, yeah, I don't think so, because my whole generation, I was like, so you got this NFT here. Of this, of this monkey, right? Of this badly drawn monkey <laughs> bought from somebody for a hundred thousand dollars, and you're hoping somebody pays you two hundred thousand dollars for that. That sounds like a scam. <laughs> That's
0: exactly what <laughs> NFT sounds like. You've just described it the best way possible. Is people selling memes?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's just like, look, I get it, and people are, well, no, it's a modern form of art. I was like, no, a Van Gogh is worth something, right? Mm-hmm. Because you're looking at the incredible craftsmanship, and to own the original of Starry Night. I'd pay $100 million for that or a $1 billion for that because it's incredible craftsmanship and you get to physically touch what Van Gogh touched with his own fingers. So that's worth money to me. This NFT digital thing that, look, I'm the only one. I've got the original monkey with a hat on. <laughs> oh what does that worth to anybody? Nobody, nothing, nothing. Yeah, Benjamin says,
0: LOL, <laughs> NFT millennial fraud sounds about right. <laughs>
1: It's just like I'm just sitting there like, okay, you think I'm a sucker? I know I know your suckers, but I ain't that much of a sucker. So <laughs> here we go. All right. Oh, we got one more meme. Okay. I... <laughs> oh, this is this is truth. This is true. This is this is this good. Truth. This is this true. is
0: from the Brady Bunch. And yeah. we got Marsha there, it says boomers, and she says, I'm so popular. And right. then you got little uh Cindy says millennials, I'm so I'm so cute. And then you got Jan, Gen X, I hate this F and family. <laughs> yeah.
1: And that's pretty yeah. much what the role she played in that show. So, uh, so that's accurate. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, that's accurate. That's accurate. Okay. So that's good. All right. Cool. We oh, got somebody that Anything else we got? We we got on our slate for ten minutes. What do you got? Oh,
0: for ten minutes? No, I just I'm so happy to talk to you. I just want to do some announcements, and you can tell people where to find yeah. you again before we pop out. So. Yeah. This is a new channel. If it came up in your feed, your algorithm, and you're listening to it for the first time, it's called Deep Program with Carrie Smith. You can hit subscribe. If you like it, share it online or just secretly share it with a friend. And if you want to help us uh, support the show financially, you can do that at Locals, Subscribestar, or Patreon. We're going to be doing book club and locals for members only for financial uh, donations. And I think the lowest amount is like five bucks. Um, and then what else we're going to be doing movie night. We've got a couple Mm -hmm. of other things in the works and I'm really excited. And I just appreciate you guys hanging out today
1: and Cameron,
0: tell people where they can find you.
1: Well, first we should let's respond to this. uh,
0: Oh, Hey, cheeky mare. She says I'm behind and listening at two times the speed. Maybe the show name
1: should be Talk to the hand. Do I win the knife? Ah, Oh yeah. That's what we said. (laughs) So, but you know, I can't imagine watching me at two speed. I mean, I'm at my, I'm, I'm like at two speed anyway. And now oh you're watching God. me at four speed.
0: You're at all four right. speed. Oh, all well, that's right. one more thing I have to say then yes. yes. we have a contest going. And I said, I was going to announce the winner today, but I'm not. Cause I have to still read through all the submissions. Mm-hmm. We're looking for a new name for the live show. And if you drop it in the comments on this video, I'm looking all the way back for the past week and the intention. Now we're going to announce on Friday, the winner, you get a beautiful custom made handmade knife
1: from Greg Wilson.
0: Wow. Um, the winner of the naming contest That's help of- you when you're
1: out on your land protecting yourself from the bears and the trespassers yes exactly yep cool That's okay cool. where can they find you cameron well i'll drop it in the link before i take off but you know it's uh, i have a patreon patreon slash my name cameron pasha k-m-r-e-n-p-a-s-h-a there you can hear all my uncensored thoughts on hollywood on current world situation uh and then also you can reach out to me if you're a novelist or a screenwriter or aspiring to be such uh, i do consulting through the patreon and so far i've done about 30 30 from there and people are happy enough that they pay me more money and they want more consulting so that seems to be working uh because i'm actually a published novelist and a successful screenwriter and people like me generally don't do consulting you know outside of the system like we'll consult for other screenwriters but not for like normie's trying to break into the system and All since right. i Consider myself still a normie who's somehow broken into the system. I try to offer that. So yeah, so I'll drop that link in there, and uh, and I, I don't. I hope we can do one more because Ramadan is going to be in two weeks. If, okay. if maybe next Monday, if you have time, maybe we'll do it one more time because then yes. I'll be off for a month.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Let's do it. It's
1: good. Cool. All right.
0: Thank you guys. Thanks for hanging out. Somebody said two times the speed is fun. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Okay. We're going to go out. We're going to have an end credits video soon, but until then, I'm going to roll this video with my husband's music one more time. Here we go. Thank you, guys.